Welcome to year four of Camp Kaiju. Now, the next number of episodes, it may sound a little different because they were recorded in previous seasons as exclusive Patreon content. So why release them now to the masses instead of recording just new episodes? Well, if you didn't know already, my wife and I welcomed a baby girl into our lives, and as such, Camp Kaiju must go into hibernation while I focus my efforts on bringing up that fearsome little monster kid. And until the podcast returns with new episodes, you can still get caught up on all the great monster movie talk at our website, campkaijumoviereviews.com, Letterboxd, Instagram, and Facebook. Matt and I are still going to engage with you all there. You can find links in the bio. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your ratings and reviews. Thank you, patrons, for your above and beyond support for the show. Talking monster movies with you all has been an absolute joy. Producing this podcast has been an absolute thrill, and I hope to get back to it soon. Until then, be well, stay in touch, and stay campy. And welcome to Camp Kaiju Monster Movie Reviews. We're your hosts, Vincent Hannum. And I am Matt Levine. We're talking about all our favorite monster movies. The good, the bad, and the downright campy. And asking if they stand the test of time. Traditional kaiju, creature features, space invaders, the supernatural, and everything in between. All strange beasts, welcome here. And now Camp Kaiju is still presenting our special series, Frozen with Fear. Brought to you by Max Hannum and Corey Stewart of the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Polar Star at McMurdo Station, Antarctica. For those of you who listened before, you know Matt and I had just barely re-established radio contact after the previous attack when... Ah, you know what? It doesn't matter. Max and Corey don't know that we've suffered... Why should they when they're having so much fun? We hope you do the same. <laughs> Welcome to Camp Welcome to Camp Kaiju. We're talking about another cinematic masterpiece. We are talking about to wrap up our Actually, we're not wrapping it up. We're not wrapping it up. This is the part third, three. Part three of a four-part series. Yes, a Frozen with Fear series. We are going to the four Frozen with Fear episodes. Yes. Um, and keep it on theme. This is the one you all wanted uh, and expected from us. It's John Carpenter's 1982 classic. Prince of Darkness. Yeah, we're watching vampires. Prince, yeah, we're <laughs> ghosts of Mars. Uh, no, we're, we're, we're going to talk about the thing. We're going to watch the thing because it's his best movie. Um, I would honestly say it might... It's, it's his magnus opus. Oh, yeah, I, I think he would agree with that also. Yes. It's um, his best film. It's not my favorite John Carpenter film, but it is his best What's film. your favorite John Carpenter? It's Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> oh. I mean... I, I know I'm not wrong. I, it's my favorite. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's not his best, but it's my favorite. But this isn't a podcast about Big Trouble in Little China. It if could it be. was, we'd be here for five hours. I mean, we could I easily have... make... I, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so much. But at one time, it was... Oh, I'm gonna come home from the bar a little tipsy and yeah. just put that on. Oh, 
oh, so many times where I'm just like, I had a bad day. I'm going to have a couple beers and watch Kurt Russell be a little wacky. Yep. Um, but here we're going to watch Kurt Russell be real serious. And maybe an alien. He's not an alien. I think he is. I, I disagree entirely. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about the thing. We've kind of been talking about it for the past two episodes in yes. a way. In reference... Uh, even more so in the last one with the 2011s, the thing. Yeah, because uh, that was at the the Swedish base. Uh, they're Norwegians, Mac. <laughs> um, I'm sure we said that at least ten times in the last podcast. Um, that, that has just become an in joke at this point because it is us in our real life. It is just on great. top of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no secret we've said it before. We both love this movie. It's so good. Um, you all have seen it, and you all love it. And if you haven't, what are you doing? Go stop right now and watch the movie. Don't listen to this podcast. Go watch the movie. I had, like, two scenes spoiled for me before I ever saw it, just because... Oh, really? Yeah. Well, just because, uh, I mean, this came out in 82. I'm yeah. not that old. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this came out 10 years before I was born. Wow. Which is weird to think about. Yeah. It wasn't that old when I was born. But it was probably not that well-liked, which we'll no. get into. Yeah, we'll get into it. This is um, very much a cult classic. Yeah, in, like, the truest sense, not like what people think of cult classics now. No, it's not, yeah. This is, this gained notoriety well after the fact. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into all the reasons why it is a masterpiece. And, yeah, probably one of the few reasons why it was overlooked at the, the box office that, yeah. that year. Um, um, but let's just uh, let's just get right into it. Um, while it's not the uh, standard format of Camp Kaiju podcast, uh, we don't know what we're doing. So yeah, this is, uh, we've developed our own sort of format. Um, I think it's working pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, but we're just going to start getting into the plot, and uh, we'll have some things to say in between, most likely. Yeah. And a fun little wrap up at the end with some fun oh, facts. Word, word, meeting, meeting, out in the word with some with some fun facts and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Yep. All right. So okay. here's the plot. It starts with uh, how all great how movies should. Oh, with a UFO crashing to Earth. Yes. With uh, some fun effects. The lights on it are funny. Yep. I like it. I I'm just gonna say I'm not a big fan of oh, the I love the it. intro. I love it so um, much. But the opening title reveal, like when it says the thing, is it's fun. It's really great. And uh, do you want to go ahead and how they did that? Since yeah, might as well just get into fun facts right at the beginning. Right at the beginning, because it's a fun fact. There's, so it's a lot of fun facts about this movie. A lot of the fun facts we're going to talk about. Um, I learned watching the behind-the-scenes documentary uh, for this movie, which I first saw it, that documentary on the. Like just extra for the DVD release, and I want to say I've watched also watched it on YouTube. I I have seen definitely snippets from that um, on YouTube, along with just tons of like video essays and uh, this yeah. is, this is one of those movies that just gets talked about a lot online. Yes, because it is that cult classic. Like and nothing we say is probably going to be original. Original? No. no, I mean other than us just I really like completely this gushing movie. over this movie. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, and we um, can probably we'll probably get into some of our but, theories. Yeah, uh-huh. good. But uh, but how they uh, they did the effects for the uh, the thing title is they just melted. Uh, so they 
plastic. They had a decal where yeah. they cut out the words "the thing." Yeah, and they. I think it was just a trash bag. Yes, it was melted. a trash bag that they put over that cutout, and then they, they shined a light from behind that and through a fish tank. Mm-hmm. So the camera was on the opposite end of a fish tank to give like a nice glow because of the water, and then they just lit the trash bag on fire, and that's how you get the uh, the, the melting. melting away effect. Yes, and you can definitely see, like, oh. Yeah, it's just melting. Yeah. And oh, it's so... It looks so... Cool. It looks really cool. And it's one of those things where, uh, bring it back to the 2011, we said it wasn't as cool. Yes, because they... Just did digital effects. Yes, which... I mean, it's all right. It's really easy, but... It's not... A, it's not it doesn't have that fun it's factor. It's tactile. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh, you, I, I could do that. Yes. It's... It really gets your mind racing as, like, a... If you're, like, a young filmmaker... And it's like, oh, that's how they did it? Well, what can I achieve with just what I have laying around the house? It's, I've got a fish tank. I've got a trash bag. I have a lighter. It's a fun thought. Yeah. Yeah. So It's really inspiring. It's, it's a great way to start a movie. Yes. Um, so you, the UFO crashes to Earth, and uh, we pick up where the 2011 thing left off. Yes, right over there. With a dog running in the snow, and there's a helicopter. And it's like, oh, what's, what's, what are they doing there? And you get a crazy uh, Swedish man shooting at it. Crazy sweets. <laughs> um, so they're shooting at this dog. They're chucking grenades, and you're just like, "What are they doing?" And they're it's speaking crazy. A, another language, so you don't know what they're talking about. Yep. Um, and then eventually, the dog arrives at uh, the American Research Station, U.S. Outpost Thirty One. Yep. Um, all of the uh, the members of the outposts have just been seen, kind of just roaming about their you know yep and they're they're, like, they're starting uh they're showing up for the beginning of uh the winter that they're going to spend there yep um they rush out because they just hear grenades and shooting, shooting. And helicopters and um the dog comes goes, to goes them to clark it goes to clark the, uh the dog handler yep uh and then <laughs> we get a very funny scene of the helicopter men landing the helicopter after throwing grenades dangerously close to the Americans. One of who is Lars. Is Lars from, from the 2011 the thing. thing. We don't know that um, yes. in 82, but we find that out in 2011. Yes. Um, and you get a very funny, almost slapstick sort of moment pulls, where... Pulls the grenade up. He's ready. He's ready to throw it. Whoops. And then he, he drops it. <laughs> yep. He just drops it. It slips right out of his hand behind Whoa. him. And instead of running away from it, Lars runs away. But the other guy, he goes to search for it. It gets blown up. The helicopter blows up. He's um, dead. It's um, a very loud opening, actually. Like, Oh, it's very There's just explosions everywhere. Yeah, very much like the 2011 thing. And that's... It's surprising for how subtle... Slow yeah, and, like, subtle this film will become in the, the remainder of the runtime. But, yeah, no, it starts off with a bang and a lot of questions for that audience. Why are these uh, crazy Swedes trying to blow up this dog? Yeah. Um, so, the character that we learned from the 2011 film is Lars then starts shooting uh, almost haphazardly at the dog ends up shooting uh, one of the characters one of the Americans in the leg mm-hmm. um, and then the station commander the military uh, commander yep. Gary uh, quickly uh, pulls his, uh, his little uh, service revolver yep. and right in the eye yep, bam just dead on 
there goes Lars. Looks really cool with his like visor. Like yes. the eyes, like the blood kind of comes out of the visor. It looks super no, cool. No, it's a really it's, it's a, a good shot. Yes. Um I uh, guess that's just a standard squid, maybe? I don't know. I think so, but I think the visor really helps it. Yes, it's yeah. a really Man, I never thought about that shot, but thinking about it now, I was like, Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. This is, this is the thing uh, we'll mention a lot throughout this movie is that uh, if you watch it for the first time, you're like, wow, this is a great movie. And then at the second time, you notice a lot more uh, little smaller details. And then by the seventh time, you think, I've seen everything. You're wrong. There's more. <laughs> yes. I've probably seen this movie 15, 20 times. And, like, we just watched it. And I, I still was noticing new things. Yeah, same, same. And it's, it's crazy how much detail is packed into this movie mm -hmm. because you think you've seen it all you just haven't haven't because you're and just going to start we're going to bring up things that you're that are going to make you dear listener like be like i need to go rewatch the thing and look out for this one thing that they mentioned because i didn't notice that it's fun keep doing it and then you know post in the comments the, oh, yeah, yeah. all the things that you find because there's there's a million things and I, I love this movie and you love this movie we all love this movie and that's a fact so, uh, we're like, what, three minutes into the, the movie, and yeah. uh, Lars is dead. Lars uh, is dead. One of our characters has been shot. Everyone um, is confused. They're like, what is happening? Uh, first goddamn week of winter. Yep. Uh, that is the character McCready, played by um, uh, the, Kurt Russell. The best actor of all time, in my humble opinion. He's pretty good. I love Kurt Russell. Um, let's just say, great cast. Oh, solid cast. I mean... Uh, where the 2011 thing dealt with archetypes and less characters, everyone here is a character, um, and they all have their quirks, and they're all, like, performed so, so well. Yes. Um, so, the after the big excitement, everyone kind of just falls back into that lull. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they, they try and radio to see what's going on, but they can't raise anyone. Um, there's been a big... There's this big storm on the continent. No one's been able to reach anybody for two weeks. Yep. Um, so they kind of just fall back into that lull, and yep. then this is when we see uh, them, the characters just acting like people, kind of that, that boredom of they've been here for a little while, um, but they're still kind of fresh on the continent of yep. Antarctica, and they're just just hanging out. And I, I really like this scene where you have just the juxtaposition of this dog that, at this point, if you haven't seen the movie, you don't know what it is. And it's kind of just wandering the camp, just watching these people, um, just in, a, in very human moments. Of yes. Just, uh, like them hanging out in the rec room, like watching old VHSs. And he's like, ah, oh, I've seen this one already. And they switch it out. Yep. Uh, actually, you're getting a little ahead of yourself. Because, well... All that does happen yeah. uh, around the same time, but before that, uh, McCready takes Dr. Copper um, who to the Norwegian base because Dr. Copper, he wants to figure out what's going on, so they fly to the Norwegian base. They see it's in shambles. Um, pretty much at all of the events of the 2011 thing are signaled. Yes, uh, uh, we in have this movie. a uh, tooth, uh, two thing melded together. Yep. Um, um, so they take, they wrap that up, put it onto the helicopter so they can take it back for further study. They have that great shot where uh, McCready is uh, standing next to the the block of the ice. Yep. They they, they find the footage of them uh, finding the UFO. Right. Um, 
Dr. Copper takes a lot of their uh, research notes. Uh, they find the body of the uh, man who slit his wrists. That's they, all frozen. They find the axe with the blood in the door. Um, um, where uh, the characters split the arm thing in half in yes. 11. Um, to put it simply, they don't find any survivors. And it kind of just keeps building that mystery of, okay, something... Major, yeah, you. something major happened. What is going on? Even us as the audience, if this is like the first time you're watching, you're like, I don't, like, what is going on? I'm very confused. Like, if you think about it, like, yeah, you have a, a ruined camp, um, and then uh, this you dog had... was being hunted by these two survivors of the camp. Yeah, so like, did they're saying. Maybe it was just, like, ice madness. They said they brought that up. They was like, they've only been there for, like, a couple weeks. It, and, it's not enough time for that. Yeah. And Which we ice, know about ice madness. We, we very much well know about ice madness. Um, uh, this this year uh, greatly lessened. Um, oh, yes. We, we have uh, some access to the internet, um, which is how we're sending you these podcasts. Starlink. Starlink. Um, it's, but last it's being year, prototyped. But uh, we didn't have that as an option, so yes. oh, we uh, we lost our minds. And oh it's, yeah, honestly, uh, it's a very interesting feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the isolation level is uh, something else, and that's uh, one of the things that we can really relate to these characters of being stuck uh, in tight quarters with the same people. With the same people. It's very cold outside. Nowhere to go. You can't go outside. You're basically trapped inside in a very small amount of area. And yep. You have to work and eat and sleep with the same people for months on and that, months, and it really does drain you. Yes, and make I don't know, make you just have funny thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it. That is what the ice madness is yeah. of just like you're not actually going crazy, but you feel like something's something's wrong. Something's wrong, but nothing's wrong. Yeah, because you've signed up for this. You're doing your job. Yeah, it's very weird. It's people just act a little kookier. Oh yeah. Uh, honestly, it j- normally just leads to very funny conversations. Yes. Uh, um, which quite delightful. Yep. Um, it's almost like if you had stayed up until like three o'clock in the morning with your buds and you were just having those weird late night conversations where you're like a little bit sleep depraved. It's kind of like that sort of kookiness. But imagine that for like stretched out to months. Yeah. It's interesting. It's fun. It's honestly quite fun. I'm glad, um, glad I got to experience it before Starling came around. And oh, yeah. You can just go on Twitter whenever you want. Yeah, it was fun in that. I like Twitter. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, that... What you were talking about earlier with... Um, uh, the dog and then... Well, like, them relaxing. Yeah. That's basically what we're talking about with... You send, settle into that rhythm. Mm-hmm. And you're just hanging out with the same people pretty much so you've got a couple people uh they're smoking weed watching old reruns yeah. of tapes Child's in, in there and i mean that's pretty much uh minus the joint like that's what we do we just kind of like oh let's throw on a movie yeah we we re-watch movie like ah i've seen that one already this month i've so seen mean girls 20 times this week i can't get a new movie mean girls um or you have the some people playing uh there's, there's people playing pool no. Recording. Uh, Ox two. He's organizing stuff. No, he's organizing some uh, fittings. Oh. That's where he was last time. Thank you. Yep. 
All right, you'll have to edit that out. Yeah. Um, okay, where were we? Uh, talking about... Oh, okay, so... We had an interruption. We're back now. Sorry about that. We are talking about just... Everyone's just chilling, yeah. hanging out, playing poker, playing pool, chilling in their rooms. Uh, the dog is kind of just walking around. And it's great dog acting. I was about to mention This is probably dog- like the best dog actor I've ever seen in a movie. It's up there. Um, there's a beagle in the movie Used Cars, also with Kurt Russell. <laughs> Some great dog acting with that dog. Okay. Right. Um, sorry, Kurt Russell connection. The Kurt Russell connection. I like the sound of that. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, the, the dog, it's just, it's staring so intently. Um, and it's right, and you can, like, tell what it's staring at. And it's, like, not, like, a, just a guy off screen, like, holding up a treat. Like, I don't know how they did it, if they, like, put, like, dog, like, biscuits in their, like, pockets or something, but it is, like, it walks into a room, it looks where it needs to look, and then it, like, moves on to the next room, looks where it needs to look, and the camera is just, like, following this dog. It's so good. I mean, they could have had multiple people with biscuits. That's true. Um, But uh, the dog ends up biting the... I forgot what scares him. Bennings. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Bennings is the guy who got shot... He got shot in the leg. Uh, the dogs end up biting it. He's irritated. He tells Clark, who's the uh, kennel master. Why is this dog even out? Yeah, put it with the other dogs. So Clark goes to put this creepy dog yep. in with the other dogs in the kennel. And Clark, who uh, who you said is uh, in charge of like wrangling the dogs and like taking care of them, he's, he's clearly the outsider of the group. Like, he doesn't hang out with... Uh, with yes. them that much he is very much attached to the dogs yes um, he's a little bit more quiet um, than everyone else he's not as bombastic of a personality and he's also very caring for his dogs yes um, but as soon as that dog goes in with the other uh, dogs it it's just it doesn't go well well it's like he's so stiff this outsider just comes in and then just very stiffly lays down and immediately, you're watching and being like, "Oh, what's this dog? What do? is this dog? Like, like the, the other dogs are clearly uncomfortable, and they're looking at this other dog who is just a stone. He is a statue of how. That's how still this dog he, is. He's just he's looking at a wall, but he's not looking at the wall. He's looking like past the wall. Yeah, it's, like Michael Myers level of like, I'm just, I am existing here. Yes, but I am not here. I am dog." <laughs> I am dog. Why do you think I am not dog? But uh, as soon as Clark leaves... The lights go out. Man, the dog face just splits open. <laughs> and so... This is the first time we get to mention the practical effects. Oh, the... the movie. Uh, they are so good. This is... This is probably... Arguably one of the... There's some of the best effects ever. Oh, ever, yeah. In at least creature effects as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, between this and, like, Alien, like, some of the best creature designs oh, out there. yes. Um, and Predator. Predator. I mean, not even just design. Like, those have great designs, but this is just, like, the... The... The, the, the art of creating it. And like, the, the ever-changingness of the monster. Yes. It's, it's just constantly shifting. Uh, you never get the same monster twice, which is no. so, like refreshing for a monster movie yes you don't know what's gonna come and 
to that point, I showed my wife this movie last year, I want to say. Yeah. She had never seen it before. Oh. Oh, man. When that dog face just split open she was like what is happening right now uh it was if you haven't watched this movie and you're here well if you haven't watched it with someone who hasn't seen it oh it's a it's a yes. experience honestly when uh we we showed this movie uh we have a very large projector screen um on board the the boat that we're on and we'll do uh, movie nights every saturday and i i and the one who curates those and I always play the thing when we get down to Antarctica because there's always someone who hasn't seen it and those those key moments that you all know um, where the monster kind of just is there then it you just it gets watch people. someone else's reaction who's never seen this before especially people who don't normally watch horror movies yes um, gets them every time I was watching one of our friends uh, during this last one and oh she jumped like every time right at those moments and it made me so happy yes um but so the dog's face splits open the other dogs are getting like, upset They're they like, start barking they start barking one of them starts clawing at the, the fence yep uh like the um yeah like the chicken wire yep to the cage the walls yeah the cage um and the tentacles start coming out yeah tentacles start coming out great effects again all around, every effect in this is amazing. Start spraying goop all over oh, these dogs. dogs, and you feel bad because it's like, man, they just sprayed a, a, a husky with with goo. Yeah, I'm sure they got a good treat afterwards. Yes, yeah, it's, uh... Uh, you can really feel the distress on the dogs, and it, it's just like it's hard to describe these monsters like the different shapes it takes yeah because it is so lovecrafty and it's it they, they did again they did such a good job we could just keep saying they did such a good job but you'll get sick of us yes. saying it honestly um so uh you know people start to notice um and i believe someone pulls a fire alarm when they because mccready's in the kitchen when uh, it goes off um i want to say Clark comes back. Clark comes back because one of the dogs uh, peels the fence and he jumps through. And then, like, it comes down the hallway, like, crashing. And then Clark comes in and sees the other dog absorbing the other dog. Yes, it's it's just fully trying to take it all in. Yeah. Um, But then Clark... And he hits the fire alarm. No, no, McCready hits the fire alarm. Clark goes in. Oh, that's right. McCready starts hearing Alara shouting, immediately starts, immediately hits the fire alarm. Um, Rallies the crew. Uh, requests a flamethrower. We get a great line from Keith David. He's like, back what's the what? <laughs> back what's the flamethrower? Back what's the what? It's good. Keith David's a great actor. Um, he's a treasure. He's such a treasure. I, yeah, we, we need to watch They Live. Yes. We'll watch that soon. I love that movie. He's so good in that movie. Yeah. Even Rowdy Roddy Piper are just a dynamic duo. <laughs> They have like a ten minute fist fight scene. I have I have heard of that. That's so good. Um, um but so anyways, they go the, the crew rallies at the dog pen and they there's the thing's not stopping. It's not trying to blend in at this point. Nope. It is just full creature effects. It starts morphing into like several different forms. You got one where like a bunch of eyes start popping up all over it. It's, it's the, like four different monsters in one in this just one scene. Yeah, and it's pretty early in the film. Yes. 
they start blasting it with shotguns. And, and then, then Clark gets upset because uh, they start shooting all of the dogs. Because even the dog that was grabbed in the tentacles. Yes. Which, you know, that's an innocent dog. And Clark is very upset that it got shot. Um, so he tries to stop Childs. Um, yep, but uh, Childs comes in. Uh, Childs is the character, uh, Keith David. Yes. Keith David's character. Comes in with the flamethrower. Um, he's, he's like... He is in shock for a moment, and then the thing just keeps transforming, and then it has like a mouth that shoots out towards him, and then he just blasts it with the flames. Blast it, child! Oh, so the whole thing just goes up in flames. And then uh, immediately the captain wants to run in there and start putting it out, and McCready's just like, no, 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 let this thing burn for a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit more. A little bit longer. Uh, I I love that scene, because already McCready, who had seen the other thing... Uh, that was clearly burned, the the two-person thing Yes. at the Norwegian base, he just, he knew that they burned this thing. So he, as soon as the thing shows up, he's like, okay, we need a flamethrower. And then as soon as he catches the thing on fire, he's like, we need to make sure it's dead before. Right. Like, immediately, McCready's just on it. And that's one of the things, I love his character so much in this movie. Yep. Well, he saw what happened at the Norwegian camp, so... He's not taking his chances. Yeah, no. <laughs> not at all. Um, so, they take that... Uh, burned remains and uh, start examining it. And then the character of Blair, played by uh, Wilford Brimley. Oh, Wilford Brimley in this movie. <laughs> he is. It is a treat to watch this man ham it up in this movie. Um, but he starts doing a uh, autopsy on the burned remains. Yeah, he's, he's just pointing at it with his uh, little, little pencil with the pencil eraser, extra erasers on it. Yep, he's like he starts to realize what this thing was doing it's like this he's it's imitating the dog it's imitating life with this line that you just said see that's 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 not not dog dog. and then he throughout the whole scene he's pointing and he's like putting the eraser to his mouth he's like tapping his chin with it and he's (sighs) getting real close to his mouth and you're like oh what are you doing Blair yep and that's one of those things you notice on rewatches of like how often throughout this movie people are doing things that potentially infects them yes um and it's like oh my god every single one of them could logically be haven't been infected multiple times throughout this movie and that's why on your first watch you you genuinely have no idea who is the who's the thing and who's not um because they they just do a good such a good job of hiding it they're all making terrible decisions yes but some of them are making very smart decisions. Uh, McCready immediately knowing that the flamethrower, uh, I forget the character, but he, uh, he's like, we, we need to only eat out of cans. Like, because it could be... Yes. So, like, they're not dumb characters. No. It's just they are not equipped to deal with this. No, no, they're, they're not dumb, but they're just making, like, complacent mistakes. Yes. Which are the, those things that get you. Yes, exactly. Because um, it might be, like, one character thinks of it, like... That being an issue, other characters are thinking of different issues, so they're just like getting tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, at this point, Blair runs a computer simulation. <laughs> I love is, this. It's great. It's so early '80s where it's just like, ah, yes, computers can do anything. <laughs> but what's funny is this that that computer simulation. It wasn't possible at that time. No, that was not. that was an animation that they made, and it's the same way we get like all the high-tech, like, holographic stuff in the Marvel movies nowadays. Like, that's not possible now. They were using 
crazy outlandish yeah. tech then. It just looks so dated. It, and one of the things I love about it is, uh, while it is a bit silly in retrospect, yeah. it's such a good way and quick way to let the audience know what this thing is, how how bad it is if it leaves here. Yes. Like, it instantly sets the stakes. Because it's like, oh, if this thing gets to mainland, we're, we're gone. Yes. This thing takes over the planet. The, we're lucky that it crashed in Antarctica, of all places. Yes, the computer simulation... Um, is just a rundown of it shows that the cells are assimilating the other cells and it can do this at such a pace that it, so it's like if it it says 27,000 hours or something like something that like if that, it were to reach it, a major population center that the whole earth would be the thing um so Blair starts getting a little bit paranoid at that point oh this is when Blair goes off the deep end um but he's kind of keeping it to himself. Mm-hmm. Other people are kind of doing their own thing for the moment. Um, oh, oh, yeah. They isn't this the point where the crew kind of splits and some go to the uh, spaceship? Oh no, that, they did that earlier. Oh, did they did earlier. Yeah. No, I'm gonna skip that. Oh, that's all right. Uh, yeah, we uh, we we brought up in the 2011 the thing that they. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when the uh, in the twenty eleven the thing it's buried in the ice, um, but during the takeoff sequence it melts all the ice above it. Yes. Um, and that's why in uh, John Carpenter's the thing you can uh, you can just see it. It's just there. Yep. Um, but the screen, or okay, so the the edits in this movie oh. are kind of weird because you get like scene and then another scene and then another scene, and like when a scene's over, it kind of just fades to black. And then fades up on, like, a different scene. So you don't really know how much time is passing. It's it's very, I don't know, like, TV movie in, in my mind. Yeah. Like, like I've, I've seen, like, uh, uh, like oh, what where was it? a commercial break would be or something. Yes. Um, like, I, I was re-watching uh, the Salem's Lot TV movie recently. And it, they did the exact same thing where, like, you know, moments fade to black. And it's like, oh, yes. okay, this is where the commercial went. But I'm watching this as a movie, not as right. a TV show. And it, it feels that way. But also, it, it does help you, or help the movie to like let time pass without telling you. And there's no like text on screen being like two weeks later. It's all very subtle in yes. the sense of have they been there? Like, it, does the course of this movie take a week? Does it take a month? Does it take two months? I don't right. know. It easily could have. Um, it yeah. could be hours between certain scenes. It's very episodic in that way. Yeah. Um, which is kind of nice because it's a slow-paced movie. You want room you want to ha- allow that like time for things to happen where characters can be infected that you don't realize um it, it the movie benefits from it oh 100% it's it's a choice that i don't think would work in a lot of other movies but for this movie in particular yes works masterfully love it um so the next scene we can see uh bennings he was helping uh windows um, get some stuff. Windows walks out of the room and then comes back and suddenly Bennings is being taken over by the thing that was just sitting... Like, the, the burnt remains... That's right. They were uh, they were getting all of the uh, material together. Oh, yes. The thing material, yes. Um, and they were going to bring it back to... Uh, the like, location to get burnt. Yes. To burn it. Um... But then 
Windows goes alert McCready. McCready uh, chases this Bennings uh, thing out outside into the snow and it falls down onto its knees. And this is when you get your first good look at the Bennings thing. And oh, is it nice. Yeah, you get, you get that. It's, it's one of the classic shots of the film of the now mostly humanoid thing looks up but it opens its mouth. It doesn't speak. It just makes like a low yelling noise. Yeah, it's very, it's almost artificial in nature. Yeah. Like it, it's got a weird tinge to it. Yeah, and it, and then you see his one arm. That's all a cl- giant claw. It's just a giant claw. It's it's so cool that they kind of reuse that exact same shot as the poster for the 2011 thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which that that thing isn't even in that movie. It is. Yeah. Um. Um, but it's such a good image, and then uh, you know you have that that reaction amongst the crew who's looking at this thing, yelling in the snow, looking almost exactly like their friend minus the giant claw hand, and they have that like, do we do we burn him? Is do this we, is this Bennings? Is this Bennings? Or is that just like, do we just need to amputate his arm almost? Yeah, like and uh, the but, captain, I forget his name. Um, Gary. Gary. He's very much like ah, because that's his friend, and he'll he'll I've say that. I've known him for ten years. <laughs> ah, it's so it's my so friend good. McCready. And then we gotta burn the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean McCready just burns them. Yep, and then uh, everyone's gathered around this burning thing, and then uh, yeah, they're like, okay, the the remains of Bennings that they find in the uh, the storage room, they they're like, all right, we gotta burn the rest of them, and yeah, that's when Gary's like, I, yeah, I've known him for ten years. Yep. Uh, so they finish burning that. They get around in a big circle. Um, yep, and then you get a good look at all these hooded and goggled faces. Yep. And it's like, it's a lot of characters in this movie. A lot of characters, a lot of things, maybe. Potentially. And everyone's just... Is that when McCready's... Then? Uh, I believe that's ap- the after layer was crazy. Where he goes, if you were all this thing, just oh. attack me now. So some of you are still human. Right, um, but at, at this point, Blair goes crazy. Yeah, I think that's actually what draws them back inside. Yes, um, or as they go back inside, Blair is destroying all the radios. He's just ranting and raving about. Now, payoffs are swollen. Payoffs are carrying the galley. CS2, CS2, galley. He's just ranting and raving. He uh, destroyed the uh, helicopter. Well, he did destroy the helicopter and the snowcat, so they're not getting out of there because Blair yep. knows this thing can't make landfall, which means it can't leave here. So we need to get rid of the radios, get rid of the, the vehicles. This thing needs to stay here so yep. we can contain it and figure out how to stop it before it, it leaves. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like Blair as a character. Yes, he is. At this point, you kind of assume he's human. Yes, and I, I don't know if he is. Or not. At this point, I think he is. I think he is too. Um, but then that contradicts the pencil theory, and there's so there's like I said, it could have taken time. Could have taken time. There's so many things about this movie. I mean, again, well, there's so many moments where someone could have been affected. Doesn't mean all of them are moments where people get affected. Yes. And so, and there's a great opportunity for Blair to yes. get affected later. And that leads to the paranoia of this movie. Like every character knows that the other characters may be infected. Yes. But so not all of them are. As McCready points out later that... If you were all this thing, you would just attack me and you would win. Yes. So some of you are still human. 
Um, so they have to stop Blair from, you know, destroying the camp right now. And he's got a gun, and he's just shooting, and it's really <laughs> hilarious because, again... It's Wilfred Brimley. He's hamming it up, and he's... So, he's like, hey, Blair, you don't want to child... Uh, McCready uh, yells Childs to, like, go around to, like, the side door so that way they can, like, ambush him from two sides. So, of course, Childs goes around, does like, the... What hey, he says. Man. Like, hey, man. You don't and then immediately, without even saying anything, Blair just whips around and just starts shooting him. Ah, kill you! <laughs> And he runs out of bullets and he just throws, throws his gun, gun and just hits the wall. So, uh, with the gun empty, he only has the axe, which he was using to destroy the radio equipment to defend himself, which McCready told Clark to get a table. And you're like, what the heck's he doing that for? So McCready runs in with this table, and, like, the axe sinks right into it, so he throws the table aside. Blair's now defenseless, and they all just jump on top of Blair. Oh, and you get some of the <laughs> best just punching, just... The Man. most, like, overused punch sound effect is in this movie, and I love it. It's so funny, and it's perfect, and then it fade to black. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, McCready does, like, a flying super punch, <gasps> almost, and just, like, you get that punch sound effect, he's like, oh, he just, he is just wailing on Blair right now. It's, it's really fun. It's definitely a moment of, like, levity. I don't know if it was intended to be that way, but it but it is a nice reprieve because it's it's humans interacting with humans, presumably. Yes. <laughs> and there's no like thing, threat in like the grandiose yes. Lovecraftian tentacle sense. No, uh, it's, it's just, just people. Yes, the being people afraid of other people. And Blair is taking no chances. He was taking. He yep. doesn't want anybody to escape in his mind. They're all dead, anyways. Yes. Um. So they they want to uh, secure Blair. But they don't want him just around. Uh, so they're like, oh, we'll lock him up in McCready's shack. And McCready immediately is like, I do not want him in my shack. <laughs> we'll lock him in the tool shed. Yeah. Uh, so we have a fun scene where they lock him in the tool shed. Um, you have a, a nice scene where uh, McCready is like, hey, man, like, sorry we have to do this to you, but, like, you're not, you're not doing all right. And uh, he tells him to watch Clark. Watch Clark. Watch him close. And that, again... All these different characters have their own suspicions on who is uh, infected, who's human. And we as the audience also have our suspicions. Nobody knows. No one knows. Honestly, like, Blair... Like, the audience doesn't know. The characters don't know. So, like, your guess is as good as theirs. So you're just like, wait, Clark does make sense. Yeah. And that's the thing, is... He, he, uh, you don't really think about Clark all that much because he's the quieter kind of like yeah, side character. But he was messing with the dog. He was messing with the dog. Dog. Blair points that out and reminds the audience, oh, hey, maybe we should look out for Blair. Yep. I know Blair was acting crazy a second ago. Maybe he's got a point. It's it's a very like it's great a great way to remind the audience of characters. Yes, and be like, oh, yeah. yeah they should. could be infected. And so then you're just constantly watching Clark. Like the paranoia. So good. It works for the audience, and that's, I think, what, one of the reasons why this movie works so well is we can easily be in the shoes of these characters, because there's no main character. Yeah, it, it's an ensemble cast. Yes. Absolutely. Um, like, McCready... He's our lead? He, he's, like, the classic hero sort of person, but also... He's not immune from suspicion. Yeah. It's not like there are certain the points 2011 the thing... Where, where you know Kate is human the entire yes, run, like there's run time. zero doubt here. You don't know, so anybody's fair game, and you're just the whole time you're like, 
I think, I think this is it. I, think I don't want these two to go off alone because this person will kill. He's this like, person. don't do it. Don't. Why are you going off alone? Stop it. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's a great movie to shout at the, yeah. the screen. It's like, why are you putting the pencil in your mouth? You Stop were just doing touching that, stuff. Oh. That's not dog. <laughs> um. So uh, yeah. Getting off on a little tangent, but M- just- McCready, uh, you know, pats Blair on the back. You know, gives him a little words of reassurance, like, "Oh, don't you put your faith in the Lord." Which I don't know. I always thought that was just a weird line. From- I think he's just saying stuff. I I, I agree, but like I, at that moment, I know McCready's human. But do you? Yes, one hundred and ten percent. See, every time I watch this movie. Um, I watch it about once a year. Yeah, which I'm is, roughly same. Which is enough time to where I still know it's going to happen, but I'm a little hazy on the order yeah. of like when certain people get infected and who. Well, I mean, like we've said, a lot of the it's in, ambiguous. So I'm constantly watching it, being like, "This is it. That's the moment that character gets infected." And then I'm like, "Wait, they can't be infected because they're human late." Yeah. And. It's, it's great. <sighs> it's great rewatching this movie. If you haven't rewatched it, just rewatch it like ten times. Yeah, it's, it's just do it. Just, just watch the movie. Um, just, so, so Blair is locked up in the tool shed, and they go back inside. Yep. Um, and it's at that point that they uh, they start talking about a blood test. Well, they, is it? Well, they they need to come up with a test. Oh yes, yes, and, yes, yes. Uh, the, the character with the. Uh, I think it's Doctor Copper. Yes, Copper. He's got a he's got a nose ring. It doesn't come up like the 2011 thing, but it's fun to think about. That it's it could have. It's just kind of there, and it, uh, I, I'm constantly reminded that it is there because I, don't know, I see it a lot. Yeah, it's like it's oh. one of those things I didn't notice the first time I watched the movie, and I'm just like, oh yeah, wait, this is a nose ring. Which, going by the logic that's set forth in this movie, of well, it can't recreate like the clothing or anything like that. Yes, it kind of is a subtle hint that. He is human. He's human. Much they, and they use that concept more in the twenty eleven the thing. Yes. It's much more of a plot point. But it is still here. It is an element of this. Yeah. Um so they start talking maybe some kind of test. It's a they, they call it a blood serum test. Yeah, I love that. Um, um and it's also uh when Childs brings up an excellent point where uh yeah, before he's just like, if I was a perfect imitation of me, how would you know if I was really human? And yeah, it's a it's a great question because like yep. if, if there wasn't like the the pieces of the thing are its own individual thing, you really wouldn't. You wouldn't know. It's it's very much like an invasion of the body snatchers situation where it's like, I, how do I know that you're not you? It's really hard. To, I don't to know. Prove it. And it, it and that is given enough time, it it's gonna perfectly take on the form of that person or yeah. animal or whatever. So, unless you catch it in the transition, you're not going to know until it gets you. So, uh, they, they say that they're going to uh, come up with some kind of blood serum test with the uh, blood that they have in storage. Yep. Uh, they were going to mix it with... Some contaminated blood. So, they can... Uh, no, they were, they were going to oh. draw blood samples and then mix it with uncontaminated blood to, to see, see if it changes. That's right. Yes. Um, but they go check on the blood... The blood's been broken into. It's been broken into. Who had the keys to the to the locked blood box? Well, uh, Copper takes the keys from from Gary. They're just playing the blame game here because at first, like, well, I I have Gary the key, but he takes it from me all the time. It's like I gave it right back. And then also he's just like, well, someone could have lifted it off me. And yes, I got a child. It's like, oh, I you never let that thing leave your side. Yes. And if you're watching closely. Windows had the keys earlier in the movie, and he drops it when he sees Bennings get attacked. So, who had who, the keys? Who had the keys? 
who tampered with the blood, I still don't know. I don't I don't know if it's actually in the movie that like definitively like I don't, who, I don't I don't think there is. And that's honestly one of those nice little things where it could have been like at least three characters. Yeah. And we don't need to know. And actually all those three characters are human yeah. at that point. Yeah. So we find that out later. And also they they determine that the the lock wasn't damaged. So, so uh, it had to have used the keys. In, so they had to use the keys. So. Or lockpick, I guess. Yeah. And this is uh, when Windows starts to freak out a little bit. Uh, Runs to the uh, cabinet. Yeah. And this is when... Uh, so, uh, is it Windows who runs the cabinet? Yes. Windows. So, Windows runs to the gun cabinet. Uh, uh, he's like, he's you know, I'm out of here. everyone at this point. So, he runs for gun... And then uh, it's when Gary pulls the gun on him. Yep, pulls his revolver on him. He's like, hey, drop the shotgun. We're not going to devolve into anarchy. But then everyone kind of just turns on Gary because he was the one who had the key. Yes, and it's not like a mutiny. It's more just a Gary has the realization that the men have, like, lost faith in his leadership. In, in both his leadership and just assumptions that he is human. So, yeah, right. So he just... He... Like, Very hey, gracefully, like, steps down from power. He offers it to Norris. Yes, and Norris <laughs> has, is a very funny moment where he's just like, uh, jeez, uh, guys. Uh, Gary, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I'm up for this. <laughs> Which is very funny, considering what we learn later. Oh, yeah. Right? It's very funny. But um, it, it, it is... That That is definitely a moment of levity of... Oh, again, geez, another guys. character just realizing, like... I am not the lead qualified for this whatsoever. <laughs> it's like you might trust me, that's fine, but no, um, I'm out, guys. I am not a leader. Uh, then, which then uh, Childs reaches for the revolver, and McCready kind of like stops him. He's the, like, I, Clark stops him, yeah, like very quickly. And I'm, it, every time I, that moment happens, I'm like, what's that history there? Why is why is Clark so against Childs? I don't know. I don't know what the beef is. And that's when uh, McCready uh, steps up and he takes the revolver and he's just like, I, you know, I'll take care of this. And that's when uh, we walk out into the snow and we burn the blood bags just because McCready's not taking any chances. Oh, yeah, they do that. And that's when they have the speech like, hey, I know I'm human. McCready says this. Um, this is a really, like, nice firelit shot. Oh, yep. They're all standing around much like when they were standing around for Bennings. Yep. Um, and he's like, I'm human. Some of you must be human, because if you were all this thing, you'd just attack me and it would be over. And um, McCready's just like, look, we have to figure out who's who. We'll sit down. We'll figure out some kind of test. We'll kill this thing. Um, because if it takes over, the rescue team will come. It'll get back to the mainland. And then it's one. And I love how he says that. It's one. Like, just kind of like, in the, just like that this is some kind of weird cosmic game. Yep. Um, oh, and also they find uh, Fuchs, his burnt corpse. That's later, I think. No, it's it's about this time. Yeah, because um, this is when they go... They're like, maybe you tried to burn it. Yeah. He finds the flare. Yeah, well, th that's when they go to McCready's shack. Well, that's because they go up there because he's like, I left the... Uh, yeah, and that's all about this time. Yeah, af after the, uh, the uh, yeah. powwow around the fire. This is... Um, they kind of split up at this point again. Uh, another fade to black. So we don't know how much time has passed. Yeah. Um, what's his face? Not Copper. Because uh, he's got the nose ring. What's the other scientist's name? 
Do you remember Fuchs, that? Fuchs, the guy with the glasses. Yes, he was beard. in the he was in the lab. He was doing some kind of test. Yes. Uh, he recommended that everyone eat out of their own cans. Uh, yep. So that he's, way he's actually Fuchs is one of the characters that he starts developing as more of a main character as the time progresses. He kind of yeah he yeah he starts becoming up. an ally for McCready. Because all of the scientists at that point, Blair and Copper, are under oh. suspicion. Yes. Um, but he's, he really started stepping up, and he's doing some smart things. Um, he's trying to fill in for Blair, basically, to try to figure out what can we do. He's, um, and you have a fun shot of him being in the lab, and the lights go out, so he lights a candle, and he's walking around yeah. with a candle. It's a very, like, old, like, Victorian ghost story. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic classic sort of and spooky something, story. Something really fast runs by him real quick, and he's like, oh, what's Ooh. that? Yeah. He's <laughs> waving the candle and around. And McCready shows up. And shows up. <laughs> he's like, is McCready infected? No. See the spooky shadow? Absolutely not. Anyways, um, McCready, Windows, and Nalls, uh... Uh, they're going out to uh, take a look at uh, uh, McCready's shack. They're also checking on Blair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they were checking on Blair. We have that one oh, scene. no, okay, yes. So they go to check on Blair, and then you get another very funny... It's very dark humor. Uh, it's, it's very gallows humor, if you would. Yes. <laughs> um, pun intended very much there. Because they go check on Blair, and Blair's just like, Hey, I'm all right. I want to come back inside. <laughs> You know, there was nothing wrong with me. And if there was, I'm all better now. I'm all better now. Look, and meanwhile, there's just a, a noose. noose in the shot. It, like in the tool shed, he he made a noose, like he was gonna kill himself. And he's just saying, you know, I'm all better now. There's nothing wrong with me. I want to come back inside. And it's very, it's just really funny it's, that he's saying this while there's just a noose, a noose just there, just dangling there. Like he didn't take it down. Like, you could tell that he was probably thinking, hey, I, I'm locked in this shed. I can't save the rest of the group. And if I'm dead, it can't imitate my cells. Because they can only work on living tissue. It is, uh, yes. That was established. That's why the blood was useless after it was sabotaged. Yes. Um, so it, it was kind of confirmed that it can't imitate dead tissue. So it, if he's like, well, if I kill myself, I'll stop it from imitating me. And maybe if the guys, you know, yeah. burn one of the things, it can't get to me as the last thing. But it's just, it's very weird, because, like, he made the noose, but he's sitting there, and now he wants life. And he wants, yeah, he's like, I'm all better now. And it's you like... Could, you could tell a lot of thoughts have been going through his head. Yeah. Is he a thing at that point? Or is he just, like, realized, I'm, I'm, probably, I'm not going to kill myself, I've still got some things I have to do. See, at this point, he's, in my opinion, he's definitely the thing. Oh, yes. Like, but the, just the... The, the the way he, like that, his delivery and the noose in the frame is is so funny to me. Yeah, I, yeah, it's very well. Darkly it, you funny. got like that little paradox of like what he's saying. Not really a paradox. It's a contradiction. Juxtaposition. Of, yeah. Yeah. Of what he's saying and then the noose, which gives a totally different implication of where his headspace was. Exactly. Um, it's really just great visuals. Uh, mise en scene. So they so they they close the the little door. Um, uh, oh yeah, as, that's another really funny moment. As he just, as Blair's saying like, "Hey, I want to come back, back inside." inside. McCready just slowly closes, closes the, the little, door. like the little the window yeah. uh, on the on the door. Um, so he says, "Hey, you know, get every gather everybody up in the rec room." Uh, yeah, he tells and, he tells Windows to go do that, and then uh, me and Nalls are gonna go check out my cabin. He's like, "Why you want to go to your cabin?" He's like, "Oh, when I left yesterday, I turned the lights off and the lights were on." Oh. And that also gives a little clue on how much time gets is passed. Yeah. It's like, 
Oh, we're already like a day into this. Yeah. Um, so, Windows goes, I'm trying to remember. Windows um, goes they back. They go back, uh, Childs goes back. And that's when uh, Nalls comes back from the, their little incursion. We actually don't see inside of uh, Max shack. No, like suddenly Nalls bursts in, all covered in snow, and he's like, I cut, I cut McCready loose. Uh, because when you're walking around in Antarctica in the winter, it's very cold, uh, it's very windy, it's very dark. Um, so they have tethers. Um, um, yes. Uh, so you can go in between buildings without getting lost. Um, it's in this movie. It's also in another Kurt Russell movie, uh, The Hate Flake. Ah, they have the, the same thing where they have yeah. the, the, the spikes and they, it's they like follow a, the rope. It's a snow blindness yes. sort of thing because uh, you can quickly lose your way and you don't want to die. Yep. Um, but he... So Nalls is like, I cut McCready loose. He's he's one of those things. And it's like, how'd you know? He's like, I found a, a piece of his shirt and it's labeled McCready. And it that's for me, it looks very obviously planted. Oh, yeah. But it, he said it was stuffed in... His furnace. In his furnace, like he was trying to burn evidence that he got McCready and, and transformed, and then ripped through his clothes. Yes, because um, it cannot replicate clothing. Yes, um, in organic material. Oh, that reminds me of earlier in the movie. Nels complains about someone throwing their dirty, dirty drawers in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, I love that he's just like uh, rollerblading. Yeah, the, the outpost as well. It's, it's just I mean, a, why wouldn't you? I guess. Right? I don't know. It's bored. just a fun, it's a fun character thing, right? Yeah. That's that's the. Um, but anyway, um, so he's like, I, I cut him loose. So there's no way he could make it back here. Yep, uh, and the implication that if he did, he's a thing. Yeah. And they're actively debating if they're going to be letting him back in, or like if they trust him or not. And that's when the, the door the door handle starts turning, and the, the really good zoom in shot of the door handle just yeah. spinning. And then they, they just all start freaking out. He's like, Whoa. oh, he's here. Ooh. <laughs> it's been... um, so McCready, it's... we don't see this, but he quickly realizes. They don't trust me. <laughs> I mean, they cut my loose. They yes. cut my line loose, uh, and they locked me out. So he breaks in through a, w- uh, a window in the storage locker. Yes. Uh, uh, and of course, what does he find in there? But flares and dynamite. Yep. <laughs> and he is not taking any chances. He's he's got his um, he's holding his dynamite really, really close, close to his chest. He's got the flare. He's got the flare. And he's really... ready to do it. He's like, don't mess with me. Well, we all go. Yep. mess with me, we all go. Child's got the flamethrower pointed at him. He's like, oh, we're cool, man. <laughs> hey. Um, so they make him put out the, the pilot light on the flamethrower. They, like, like twist the thing off. And like, oh, yeah, they, yeah. They blow that out so that way it definitely can't be used on him anytime soon. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, he, he brings everyone together. I think and, he gets a flamethrower at that point. He... he uh, after that scene, he puts on the one that he made trials. Yes. So now he's holding the dynamite, ready to be lit by the flamethrower. Yep. Um, but during all this, I think that's when Norris Norris starts having uh, some like weird. He he like kind of collapses. He's, like it looks like he's having a heart attack. Honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, like maybe he's going into shock or something like that. But he's freaking out. Um, um, he's so like spasming. Um, so copper. Yeah. Well, McCready has them all go to medical because he doesn't want. No one, no one goes off alone anymore. That's yeah. his, like, new thing. <laughs> yeah. So that they all go together to the medical to save Norris. And then Dr. Copper's giving him some... Uh... He, he uh, wheels the defibrillator over to him. He, yeah. He's got like, the paddles. Yeah. He's like, clear! You know, that that whole thing. And uh, at that moment... Uh, uh, Norris's chest... Well, there's a... Oh, sorry. Because you think the... 
you think that Clark's gonna he grabs a he pockets a scalpel. Oh, right. So uh, Clark, who's been very quiet up until this point, he just instantly distrusts McCready after this point, um, and he grabs a scalpel. And you think that he's going to uh, use it on uh, on McCready. Uh, I think that's a little bit later. That's the knife. That's later. Oh, so in yeah. in the medical thing, he pockets the scalpel. Yes, and he's, he's kind of like you know like has a blade behind his leg so McCready doesn't see it, and you can tell like he's going to use this the moment McCready like turns his head to like look away. And right as that happens, because that's it's the misdirect. Oh yes, it's yes, the misdirect here because you've already seen uh, Copper use the defibrillator pads like twice on Norris, and then that third is just once, once or twice, I and did. then it's that great shot of he. Pushes those pads down, and then instead of hitting Norris's chest, oh, it rips right open. It's a giant mouth, and just noms, just noms right on Copper's arms. It just eats straight through him. It just bites right through the bone, and then Uh, you get a good shot of uh, Doctor Copper, all armless, just screaming, Ah. lifting his no arms up. You know they did that shot. I did. Yeah, I do know. It's a very fun fact. Um, They got. An armless actor. A double amputee. Yep. Um, he actually didn't have any arms, and they put a mask on him. It kind of looked like uh, copper. Yeah, they just did some prosthetics to make it look like it for the one shot, and that's how you actually get an armless, armless Dr. Copper, copper without CGI. It looks perfect, honestly. Yeah, you don't even think about it. Yeah, and such a quick shot from a side angle, you're mostly focused on the arms anyway. Yeah. The, the and really, you're probably still in shock from... The, the, chest the actual chop, the yeah. old chest chop. So this this scene Unbelievable. Just when things were back on track. If anyone's listening, anyone at all, please keep rating and reviewing this podcast. Keep sharing it with the world. Become a patron at patreon.com slash camp kaiju. Exclusive content, perks, merchandise, just please. What was that? Sounds like a window. No, no, not again. Um, like the timing of that is is perfect like what you're talking about with that misdirect and then because everyone's on edge yep you kind of assume that norris is just actually having some kind of uh medical problem and he's been in the background almost the whole time like you don't even consider him to be a threat a threat well because also he denies leadership yes which if he's the thing honestly it's very clever to just be like see i didn't make that decision see i'm not the bad guy yeah he's just he he could just do plausible deniability as the thing just kind of Wait in the back. And pick I mean, at this off point, one again, one. we were we're suspecting McCready. Yeah, because he got his line cut. Uh, his jacket was found in the in the furnace. Yep, and that's why I, I never think it's McCready. Because McCready's a good boy. He would never be the thing. <laughs> nope. It. He's always under suspicion in this movie. <laughs> um, um. So that's when we have the, that great scene, and of course, um, oh. the, the effects just keep coming. Yeah, like Norris's head just rips off. The, the, it stretches down the yeah, table. It starts, it starts stretching, and you see like the skins just pull apart, start ripping. And the green, like you get like tendons holding his head on there, kind of just keep extending, and some of them pop. And it's got the weird green pus, and it's a, it is a beautiful just mixture of different like special effects techniques, and it looks like you watch it and you don't think, oh, that looks 
that looks fake. That looks cheesy. No, it's like you you just watch it and accept it for what it is, and it looks gross and beautiful the at the mold same time. That they had for Norris's fake head looks so good, stretching oh, down yeah. the table, and the jaw was still moving, and like the eyelids were still flexing, like it was, it's still alive. Yes, it. It's you so really get good. that sense. Now the moment it gets a little cheesy. Oh, and are you talking about the? <laughs> yes. So the head when it falls to the ground. It um, it whips its tongue out and pulls itself away, so it's like kind of hidden off as they start like burning the uh, the, the main, rest. The main body with also another Norris head. Yeah, <laughs> it was just two Norris heads, which I loved. It's a it's a fun little thing because it's like kind of like I don't know a weird tentacly body like yeah. up in the roof in the rafters. It's a very strange looking thing because it doesn't really look practical. But I mean, in a sense, it's running away. Yes, it's just trying to get away, but the head. Sprouts like spider like legs, spider crab legs, and then two little eyes come out. Yeah, over its over the other uh, the top of its head, and then it just starts like scuttling slowly away, slowly scuttling away. It's a funny looking puppet. Oh, I love it, it's, and it's it's, it's so enjoyable good. to watch. I don't. It, yes, that is a well, little cheesy, so but it's very fun to watch. It's scuttling looks a little cheesy, but yes. in the actual transformation, it's mostly done in shadow. Oh no, so the trans. The transformation looks great. Yeah. Um, it's just the scuttling, the way it does it. It's very funny. And I don't know if it was intentional, probably not, but it's probably really not. funny. <laughs> um, but, of course, uh, McCready uh, torches the uh, the main body of Norris. Yep. Well, that's... Yeah, they do that, and then... They they put him out, which uh, the fun effect... Uh, who is it? Who is it that... Fun uh, for that effect oh, yeah. was uh, they, uh, they used way too much fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So when you uh, when you see that go up, it goes up way more than they anticipated because I think they tried it, and it, just, it wasn't like it didn't look like it was burning. Oh yes, and uh, I did, I so did they, they do it yeah. again, and so much fire in that yeah. shot. <laughs> um, so then that happens, the head starts to scuttle away, and that's when you have uh, Palmer. Uh, he kind of looks over. He's like, you get the classic line, "You've got to be fucking kidding me," <laughs> which has been. Uh, uh, parodied or copied, or referenced copied, yeah. in so many other movies. Most uh, recently, I could think uh, was It Chapter Two. Yes, yeah, they did explicitly uh, do an homage fighter. to that, and I, I hate it when movies do that because you know doing homages is, is a classic thing that happens in movies because everyone loves movies and they want to reference them. Of course, but. When you do that for a much better movie, it just has me thinking of that better movie. And I went to go watch the thing. Yeah. Like in Interstellar, there was a, an homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey. And then it just got me thinking about 2001, and I'm like, I just want to go watch that now. I, w- I want to stop watching this. Um, that same thing happened in It Chapter 2, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough line to walk. Yeah, because yes. like you said, you want to reference those movies that inspired you. And sometimes it works fine. Yeah. It's just, maybe when it's just... So man, it's such a tightrope. I don't know. Yeah. Because, just don't do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you re- reference that movie you want. It's fun. Just uh, when you're making your, you know, your first horror film, don't name the main character, like, John Carpenter, or he lives on, like, yeah, I don't know, Toby Hooper Street. <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. Those are the things that throw me off. Oh, and if you're making a Lovecraft story, don't have Lovecraft be a character in the story. Or that's anyone. Another, that's another comic No one trope. should never be named Philip. No. 
Howard. Howard. Don't do it. You know what's really fun? I think it was uh, Lovecraft's grandfather's name. Mm-hmm. It's a very fun name. Mm-hmm. Whipple. Whipple. Yeah, Ooh, Whipple that's, that Lovecraft. Is that is one to say. Yeah. It's just a fun, just a fun fact. Yeah. Um, anyways... So they torch the the head as it crawls away. It doesn't it doesn't have very much screen time, but it is so memorable. It is very memorable. Like all of these actual things are only on screen for a short amount of time. It's like a, a matter of minutes throughout the movie. But I mean, if you think about it, it's the Jaws situation. Less is more. Oh yes, because this this movie is built upon the paranoia, not knowing with those random explosions. Yeah, it's the same situation with Jaws, where it's like, okay, they're out on the water. When's the shark going to come? Yeah. And then it never comes when you think it would, and then it doesn't come from the angle you thought it would either. Actually, much like Jaws, uh, this movie uses, like, its music and its sound design beautifully. Oh, I... Like, mixing it in with the, uh... Like, it's... It's always with the scare, and never, like, preemptively before the scare. Well, there's, like, a build-up before the thing reveals itself. I was kind of watching it with that in mind because not something I've really noticed before. I'm not like that into the music side of movies too much. But this time I just happened to notice a lot of the times there'll just be a very slow building of the music or sounds until it hits that zenith where the thing pops out and reveals itself. So it's almost like a, a subtle tell. Yeah. No, because uh, a lot of uh, music, uh, or a lot of movies do that with the music, where they, they build up and then, yes. you know, jump scare. And it's, um, uh, I've seen an interview with John Carpenter. I think it was, it might have either been for Halloween or The Thing, because he does that in all of his horror yes. movies. Because he does the exact same thing in Halloween, yes. where it's the building and the perfect sound cue. He loves his synth. Oh, it's great. Um and yeah, his his timing because I mean, he does the score, he directs. He didn't do the score for this one. He didn't do the score for this one. He worked on it. Yes. He didn't, he didn't do it himself. Yes. Any more funny? Yes. I like saying his name. It's it's, it's good. <laughs> it's a great score. It's a very good score. Um, but yeah, it's just. It seemed to be a little bit more than your typical like. Oh, the strings are gonna get a little bit. Uh, higher pitched and pitched until jump scare it it's a little bit more subtle than that because it's also just background noises it is a lot more subtle than a lot of his other scores uh, i mean both john carpenter and uh Marconi. yeah well it's not even the score because like the fu- once you start introducing the fire into it as well the fire's just roaring characters are yelling <laughs> characters are yelling and it is just like pure pandemonium yeah. And then suddenly they have to put the fire out and it's quiet again. Yeah. It's just... And then, it, like, and the movie just keeps doing that. It, the sound just keeps ramping up and so loud and then it just cuts away and we're quiet and we're like, okay. Calm back down. What is... We gotta recollect ourselves. That, and it's, a, it's a great And speaking sort of, of that, like recollecting after the Norris uh, head, they, they all go into the, uh, the rec room. Yes. And this is when the famous blood test happens. Yes, McCready has a theory... That, that every piece is a whole. Yeah, seeing um, Norris's head crawl away. Crawl away. Yeah, um, he theorizes that every piece, every cell is a whole. It's its, so, own, its own living organism. So if uh, we'll have example, that survival instinct. Exactly. So if you know, I hurt just a little piece of it, it'll crawl away from a hot needle. Yes, a hot piece of wire. So 
his idea is to draw blood from each of the characters and then if he puts a hot needle into it you know human blood it's, it's just gonna, blood it's just blood it's just gonna sit there it's boil or whatever um, um while the thing if it's if it's the thing blood maybe, maybe it'll crawl away it'll do something it'll, yeah it'll try to get away from the like burning thing that's hurting it yes um which no one is on board for this and i love that um, nope. But nope. McCready still has the dynamite and the flamethrower. Yes. <laughs> because at this point, he's, like, fastened a vest for himself with the dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if yeah. anyone torches him, the whole camp goes. Yep. Um, and I believe it's this point that Clark yes. attacks McCready. After, uh, so they do two tests, uh, which uh, kind of confirm... No, no, because Clark never gets tested. They test him afterwards. Yes. So during this process of getting people restrained to do tests. They tie up uh, Gary, they tie up Palmer, Palmer, Childs. Uh, Copper's dead body is tied to the pool table. Yep. <laughs> they immediately don't trust that either. Uh, well, they also tie, because Clark attacks McCready, and McCready just shoots him. Point blank right in the head. Yep. Um, and then they tie his body straight right next to Clark's. <laughs> yep. Because they're like, well, eh, you don't know. Uh, but they, McCready leaves his windows out, and but Windows is the first person to get tested. Yep. Um, and yep. it's really funny is oh, no I, one's on board with this plan until their they, blood gets tested, and, and then they're, they're human. Human, and they immediately are on board. And but also the thing I love about this is they're scared of it. They're scared of the test. Yes. Because they don't know what being taken over is like. Yeah. So they don't know if they're consciously human until the thing like kicks them out of the driver's seat and then the thing is in charge it's it's a self-paranoia of wait am i am, am I, actual, I the thing am i the thing i think it, i'm human but i am i the thing so you just this paranoia everyone is just like for every test is like yeah. oh, is it and it's crazy how quick we went from the like defibrillator scene into the blood test scene because it's super high high back to immediately low low back to an immediate high high in a very yes. short amount of time um, and I mean John Carpenter has said this is his favorite scene from the movie which oh, I totally get why like the pacing is great uh, there's some humor into it because some of the characters I believe it's uh, well Childs as soon as he gets tested human he's still tied yeah, to two people just, who's like untie me give me, give me out, out of here give me out of here, here. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like a quick Fade in, fade out, and a different person has the flamethrower on, and yeah. it's aimed at. I believe it's else. Childs or uh, it's Windows. So when Windows gets tested, it's immediate or no, it's Nalls. Nalls, it's yeah, Nalls, yeah. yeah. Nalls gets tested. He's like, oh, fade in, fade out. He's got the flamethrower. It's yeah. aimed at Childs. And it's like, it's a, a very it's a nice moment of levity. Yes. Um, um, which another uh, interesting scene here is they do test uh, Clark's blood. Yes. And uh, Childs. Kind of just rubbing it in. He's like, uh, he's, he's, he's human. That makes you a murderer. And like, yeah, yeah, McCready's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever. I don't we'll care. test you last. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't actually test him last. He doesn't. But anyways, so we do get a reaction with one of these. Yes. Oh, it's actually during that moment. Yep. Where, where we'll do he last. says, we'll do you last. And then he hits the blood. And it's a perfect misdirect because you're like, I don't trust Clark. Or I don't trust, uh, not Clark, uh, I don't trust Childs right now. Yeah. Because he's doing that outburst. So immediately you're like, okay. It's maybe. like a distraction. It's like a, a magic trick. Yeah, of, it's, it's that misdirect. It's so, so good. You're not expecting the jump scare of the, the thing blood to immediately like jump out at like a weird creature. I don't know how they did that. It's, so, it's like a balloon almost. It, doesn't it? It's it like they just so it's like cool, air maybe. Right? Um, 
Um, so the blood jumps, yep. and then that makes McCready drop the flamethrower, and then it kind of like has a weird landing, and you can tell that like it's just not going to start working when he needs it to. Yes, it uh, it, it's it gets jammed. That's that's not actually what happens, but it's basically what happens. The flamethrower gets jammed; it doesn't work, yeah. and then Palmer, whose blood it was. He just starts shaking. His eyes start bleeding out. It's so. It's just an immediate transformation. So good. And yeah, he he like starts breaking out of the rope pretty quickly, and yes. he just flies to the ceiling. Yeah, I don't like, know how the thing does he just, that. He just defies gravity. <laughs> he, he does, and uh, it's it's crazy. But then he lands right in front of windows. Right in front of windows. Who McCready's like burn him because he can't. But Windows is just like in Frozen shock. in fear and his Frozen with fear? fear? Oh! Oh! We're good at this podcasting thing. <laughs> but uh, his head just splits open and like a weird tense like a mouth emerges grabs from, windows from the slot, grabs it around his throat and pulls his head into his head and just bites down on his Yeah, brain. and then just launches him up in the air and you get like Windows' feet just kicking. And, and he, it's actually one of the I love that image of just like <laughs> like the puppet is, is fun. It reminds me of uh the the woman's torso from Evil Dead 2. Oh yeah. When yeah, they yeah. kind of just <laughs> waving that around. Yeah, it's 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 a little silly, but it's it's fun. I don't know how else you could have done that back in the day, other than like you had to remove so many wires from the shot. I don't know. It's just fun. It's a, it's a fun shot, and and they do it and they they try and frame it like kind of like over here. They're like showing someone's face. Yeah, and like you see it. It's actually just happening in the background, which is just funny. And the characters are just screaming. They're just like ah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, that's happening in the background. It's pure chaos. Um. So then uh, McCready finally gets his flamethrower to work. Uh, he torches the thing. Yep. Um, it, the Palmer thing gets torched after throwing Windows to uh, the side. Yeah, just kind of like into like a game cabinet. Um, and then Windows gets burnt. Because Windows immediately, he starts like twitching. Yeah, he starts so like, like, oh, he's, oh, he's a thing. He's, he's either dead or, or a thing. He's both. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I guess, I guess he's it. both. We're going to burn it with fire. Everyone is still screaming on the couch because they're still tied down. Yep. Um, so then we have the scene where they test uh, Childs. Ch- test Childs next. Yep, which, and that's is, is we, we, funny. Just, we discussed where he just starts immediately freaking out. He's like, "Let me out!" Because then uh, last is Gary. Is Gary? And, and he's, <laughs> you get Gary a has the best. very great moment of he's calm, and they they test him, and he's he's human. He's like, "All right, I understand you boys yes. have been under a lot of stress, but if you don't mind, you can find the time." Rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. Yeah, it's just fade to black, and then you fade to black. It is. <laughs> it's a good moment because you could. All you, of you feel been, you feel the frustrations. He's been through a lot. Every, he's, he's been under suspicion for almost most of the movie at this point. Yep, and now we know they're all human. Yes. So the only people that are a question mark are Blair. Or yes, yeah, she's Blair. Blair. Yeah. So they go out to Blair. To go give them the test, and uh, what do they find? Well, they leave. Ch- they leave Childs. They leave Childs again, because that's one of those things of. Shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. They're just not making the right decisions. They're not well, thinking straight. Yeah, because because uh, they're they're afraid that maybe he's gone. Maybe he's broken out. This thing has clearly showed strength. Yep. So you know, at, at least. Well, they, yeah, they leave Childs to go. He's their guard contingency the place. plan. Yes. In case you know, they all. Blair overpowers them. Yep. Um, so they go to find Blair. Or, yeah, they go to find him, test him. 
but so he's find, not there. He's not there. They find, they open the shed, they find he has tunneled his way underneath. <laughs> and I like to imagine just Wilfred Brimley, <laughs> just, just like a mole, just working his way through the ice. Well, I mean, we've seen um, in the, the 2011 the thing, obviously, these movies weren't planned as sequels. Oh, no, prequel, no, no, no. But it can, like, somehow, like, melt ice. Because in the 2011 the thing, it kind of, like, the, the drill gives it enough air. And I like to think that this thing kind of, like, has, like, a heating. Like, oh, maybe. Like, it's the, a... the idea of this thing, uh, which they said in the, the documentary of the making of, this thing's been to a thousand planets. It's seen a thousand aliens. Um, so it can imitate pretty much any life form, so whatever it can be. And they, they have, like, sketches of, like, other things that it never turned into in, in the movie, but just, like, ideas. And I always like to think that there was just, like, some kind of, like, warm alien that yeah. kind of, like, melted its way through. Could be. Or maybe it was literally a giant mole alien. It could have been. Um, um, but, but I like to think it was Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> digging like a mole. Just digging like a mole. Maybe with some claw arms or mole arms, but... It just reminds me just of... Just a little uh, mole man digging through... John Goodman in uh, Raising Arizona. When he, like, oh, bursts yes. out of the hole. <laughs> just yep. a very large man in a tiny hole. That... It's just a funny image to my mind. Uh, but they go down the hole, and they find that Blair has been building a little tiny spacecraft, like a flying saucer. Out of, like, parts from the snowcat. The helicopter. And the helicopter. And you're like, how long has it been? Like, did, has he just been doing this over an hour, or has this been days? Right? Because another thing, we don't know how long it's been. No. And, like, I like to think that as soon as they confirmed everyone was human, they were like, all right, guys, take two days. Like, we deserve, <laughs> we deserve it. Like, we can all rest easy. Yep. Blair's outside. Let's get some sleep. Let's go to bed. Yeah. It there, could there be. Was a, there was a really good scene, actually, earlier that we didn't mention, um, where Childs, um, at, at this point when uh, McCready is, like, under suspicion of being the thing, and he's got the dynamite close to him, and he's just like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll stay awake. And, and Childs like, you gotta sleep at some at some point. And, you know, McCready's like, oh, I'm a real life sleep, <laughs> Childs. Yeah. Um, but uh, they they, they the, blow uh, that up, don't they? Uh, they they do eventually. Uh, so they they head back, and they get the dynamite, and they uh, they oh, light yes. it, and they roll it down. I was like, they didn't have a grenade. It's the dynamite it's that the, they it's, constantly have. They just always have more dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, you gotta break the ice. I don't... Maybe. I go, yeah. Yeah, because back they, in the day, that, that. Was, that was how you, like, destroy some of the ice. It was getting no, too bad. No, I was reading a report. Yeah? Um, back in 1999. So, at McMurdo, they build an ice pier. It's like a rebar and reinforced pier but it is a, made out of ice just a chunk of ice yes. that uh, our boats moor up to which we have moored yep. up to um, just because a regular pier wouldn't be able to survive in the uh, constant fluctuations of the environment and they also can't build anything permanent in Antarctica yes they're not allowed to even though things are basically permanent things are covered in snow yeah that's fine um, and then they're just buried after a few decades like South Pole Station or whatever. Anyways, but but that it was it, that ice pier started breaking down, so it was time for them to rebuild a new one. So what they decided to do was they used dynamite to blow it up. That makes me happy. To like, oh, we're just gonna get rid of it. It'll just sink. Well, back in the day, uh, if a boat was frozen in Antarctica, they would they would carry dynamite, and then they would you know if the ice froze the boat around them, they're not going to. Uh, break through if they're walking yeah. on it so they would just get off the boat walk around plant dynamite blow up the ice and then keep sailing the boat yep 
Um, so dynamite in Antarctica is it's actually a, a very long storied pastime. Yes, exactly. So it makes sense why there's so many bundles of dynamite. Doesn't make sense why there's so many guns though. There's a lot of guns. There's a lot of guns. And there was a little, like case actually, full of shotguns and pistols earlier. Yeah. There's so again there are. We mentioned in this the last episode there are no land predators in Antarctica. It's not like they have to worry about polar bears just kind of rolling up on them. No, there's you have the random uh, couple species of birds. Yeah, you've got skuas and penguins. Yeah, skuas and penguins. Penguins just stand there; they don't care about anything. Seals just lay there; they don't care about anything. So unless you're in the water and an orca's biting your leg, which there's never been any reports of that happening in the wild. That happening in the wild. That you have nothing to worry about as far as land. Maybe just other people. I mean, this was. The, but things are so far apart. Yeah, but it was still the Cold War. You had to worry about the Russians. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. That's my only, But like, also, you're not as per the Antarctic Treaty, you aren't, like, the military is not allowed in Antarctica unless they are actively supporting scientific research. Like we are. Yes. We we are allowed because we break the yeah, ice. we resupply the scientists. Yes. That's, that's why we're here, but there, there's no, like, permanent military force. No. So it's kind of weird why Gary was there. Well, you know, someone needs to be in charge, I guess. I guess. I a mean, military officer. Yeah, like the Army. madness and the The whatnot. Army has a presence in McMurdo uh, for helping with logistics and things like that. Exactly. So, um, but, yeah, it's just weird that they just had shotguns. Yeah, there's just a case of shotguns just behind a planet glass. Dude. Yeah, we mentioned that in AVP, too, how they just brought guns and, like, why? How are you doing? No guns in... Uh, 2011, the thing. There was a pistol. Was there? Because they uh, shot the tank on the flamethrower. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So that's okay. one. Gun. I guess that's not one. that bad. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, crazy sweets. Yeah. Norwegians, Mac. <laughs> um. But anyways, after they destroy the uh, flying saucer, the uh, the lights go out. Yep. They were well. They return. Child is gone. They can't find him. Yep. All the lights go out. So they say, okay, let's go to the emergency generator. Yep. Or let's check the generators. Let's check the generators. We'll see what's going on. Uh, try to get the lights back on because we're going to need heat. Yeah. We're in Antarctica. Presumably winter or this, close to winter this, time. Because this is winter. They've been there for they at have, least two weeks. Well, they have day and night starts. cycles. Yes. Um, although we haven't seen daytime in a while, so they could just be fully into winter right now. That's very true. Because it's pretty much constant storms after like the first two scenes it's yeah. just constant storms outside. At, at night yeah. yeah um so they go to the basement which is a really cool set yeah i love i love that basement it's set. it's a really fun set it's, and you can just see that uh like the snow there was melting because of the generator's heat yeah so it's just constant like in a flux of like freezing melting freezing melting yep so like weird icicles like weird ice formations it's really cool looking. It's a really cool set and it's just fun to think, oh, there's been a huge basement this whole time? That we just haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but you get, again, you get a funny, another funny line where Gary goes to check. On the generator and, and he's like, like, how is it? It's like, it's gone. It's like, well, I, well, it's, it's, well is it fixable? It. It's like, no, it's gone, McCready. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Which another point of like, Blair might have been stripping parts off of that thing, and then eventually the yes. power went out. Because if this was the emergency generator, presumably the other generators were working fine. Yeah. It's just 
It's gone. <laughs> it's gone, McCready. It's like, where'd the generator go? Um, so at this point, uh, the, the three uh, remaining left. People, so we have Gary. Gary. We have Nalls. And McCready. And McCready. And then Childs. Childs is, is missing. Blair, Blair is, is missing. MIA. MIA. So they do the only smart thing to do. They split up. Well, they, uh, they split up uh, to do a plan. And uh, McCready uh, sets this plan in motion, and he's basically saying, "This thing is like it's it killed the power, it's killed the heat." And he's like, "Well, that's suicide." Um, Gary says, and uh, McCready's just like, "Not for that thing. That thing survived in the ice for thousands of years." Yeah, at this point, it, it wants to freeze. It's its best chance to freeze. It's waiting for the rescue party to thaw it out the way the you know the, the Norwegians did, and then yeah. we brought it here. Yeah, you have a good moment where they all at that point realize they're not making it out. But they need to blow finish, everything up. They need to finish this thing off before yes. it has a chance to um, refreeze itself, which is a really good character where you can tell McCready's ready. Um, Gary is a little unsure, and Nalls is just terrified. No, you get a sense with Nalls that he's like, yes, he is on board. He's he's on board, but they're all on board. I'm just saying, like, I mean, they're all like, they're I all think nervous looking. McCready is the most steadfast in it because but, it's his plan. But honestly, they all like kind of accepts that heroic sacrifice yeah and, and um, they, and they like, go about their tasks they start planting dynamite around the uh, the base yes um like the basement uh, there's a fun scene where they're running around the the base chucking molotovs into the uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very fun um it's, it's just like shot of room chucking molotov uh shot of like room chucking molotov yeah and just burning this set down and, and you could so tell they were loud. having a lot of fun just burning down this building that they yep. made um so they're kind of split off in the basement yep setting um, the dynamite setting dynamite blair ambushes gary yep and uh, you get a, a really nice interesting way a great effect which again like so many of these effects you kind of watch and be like how do they do that but his his fingers just start going into Gary's like yeah, face his Blair, skin Blair jumps Gary uh, and covers his mouth so he can't scream because they're very close to the other two oh, characters yes. um, and it just yeah, his face but his hand just, just, just melds over it yeah it's, it's, it's like the uh, scene in 2011 the thing where the two where, um, the character of Adam starts like getting melded with the yeah, thing. like the the, he, the sides yeah. of their head start. They probably got together. that idea from, like, that effect from this, where it's just like almost instantaneous assimilation. Yeah, it's weird to think about, and I don't want to think about it. Oh, yeah. it's also like the uh, guy from Game of Thrones, the red-haired, bearded guy. How he is, has the uh, oh the, the, the arm, the mouth. yeah, yeah. Kind it's of a like similar a sort arm. of effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's out of the game. So he's dead. Yep. And then Nulls just kind of wanders off. Never to be seen again. Yeah. He doesn't get a death. He doesn't get a death. It's almost like a Fuchs situation. Although Fuchs, they did figure out or kind of theorize that he killed himself to prevent being a thing. Yeah, because uh, they find they find the flare and they find some... But he's, he's just... It's one of those things where he just... He wanders off and he doesn't come back. Yeah. And it's like, wait. Then McCready suddenly realizes... He's alone. He's alone. It's like, wait. Where, where did Nulls go? Oh. And that's where we have the great shot where he's kind. Of, he's just looking at the uh, the plunger, the, the dynamite plunger. Yeah. And, like he's just like, I need to go for that right now. But I know that as soon as I start going for it, well, he just slowly raises it up in preparation. He's like, Yep, something's about to go down. Yep. It's way the, too the, quiet, the and I am by myself right now. <laughs> oh man. 
and uh, of course the thing attacks, and it does like uh, it's like tremors. Uh, I was gonna say the children of the corn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, uh, is that 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 effect of the the, the, the floorboards and the floor just kind of going? Yeah, it's like something's up. underneath it. Um, it's a fun little effect, and then McCready has like a little battle almost. It's, it's yeah, it's. it's, it's it's a really cool dodge roll. Yeah. Um, so the the hole uh, forms at the end of uh, where the thing was tunneling, and then a tentacle grabs the dynamite plunger. Yes. And just pulls it down in a really fun stop motion effect. Yes. It's one of the few stop motion effects that I noticed in the film. Well, actually, they were going to do the entire movie in stop motion. Really? Yes. I, I believe that because that's kind uh, of how these things were done back in the day. Yep. Yeah. Like all the creature effects, they were planning on having like more monster moments in stop motion they decided against it um and they only had it for that one yeah that it, one shot i always thought it looked odd it, um just in the juxtaposition of all of these great in-camera creature effects versus the stop motion it's not that it looks bad it just you know it's yes and the reason they did it didn't use stop motion for the rest of the movie was because like the effects that they the team was able to get it, like, it looked so much more real and in place. Because stop motion is always going to look... Like stop motion. Like a little fake, like you'll be able to spot it. Yeah. Um, not to say it's bad, it's just... It's very clearly there. And you, when you see it, you, at least for me, my first thought is, ah, stop motion. Yeah, Where, which I always... Every time I see stop motion, I go, oh, that's fun. Yeah. It's not, oh, that's scary. Yeah, like, with many of these effects, I don't even think of it as an effect. I just accept it for what That's it is. That's what the thing looks like, yeah. Yeah, and then later I'm like, wait, how did they do that? was an effect, wait. Mm-hmm. So, I, I fully understand their decision. Oh, I, It's I just weird that they still kept the one, one and shot. it's right near the end, too. Yeah, it's like, did they need that? Yeah, because I feel like you could have just done, like, a... A reverse? A reverse shot of uh, yeah, a maybe. tentacle. I don't know, they, they were able to do some weird tentacle stuff in the other parts of the movie, so, I don't know. So uh, it eats the plunger, and then yes. uh, it reveals itself in, like, this really giant, monstrous form. Yeah, it's, it's almost an amalgamation of a bunch of different yeah. forms, because you see the uh, the dog is there. The dog kind of, like, comes out of it. Yeah. Is, and kind of, like, yeah, it's moving. It's you get some legs. vaguely human aspects. And then you also have just, like, a big, ugly mouth. That's yep. got, it's got some hair. It's got some, like, bald spots. The it's, eyes start popping up again, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool looking thing it's actually um i have the uh the scream factory uh steelbook blu-ray of this oh okay. and that big monster with mccready with a flamethrower is the cover oh nice it's a really cool like rendition of that like, mm-hmm. creature because you don't see too much of it same with uh yeah the most like, of the the thing shots in this movies you really don't see it for a lot you get it like one like nice shot and that's pretty much it yeah um because um, this this i mean mccready he's like all right, and he just throws dynamite at it. <laughs> yeah. He does a fun little action roll, like yep. you said. And then, yeah, he lights the dynamite, and he goes, uh, yeah, well, fuck you too. <laughs> and he just throws it, and he makes his way outside. We don't know exactly how, but he kind of stumbles outside. Yep. The whole base is burning. It's nighttime, winter in Antarctica, so it's probably going to be like 50 below at best. Yeah, but uh, temps up all around camp. <laughs> yep. Um, and then Childs. He just saunters over. He saunters over. <laughs> With his flamethrower at the ready. And McCready just kind of... down next to McCready. Looks over at him. He's got his uh, bottle of J&B. Yep. 
Um, and then they're like, are you the thing? Are you the thing? Yep. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Of it's not course. the lines. But where did you go, child? <laughs> I mean, McCready's like, you know, even if we were, not, we're not, not really in much shape to do, do anything, anything about it. Because they're both just... Oh, I mean... Exhausted. The camp's blown up. It's freezing outside. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Childs asks, you know, what What are we going to do? And um, yep. McCready delivers the last line in the movie. It's like, hey, I guess we'll just uh, sit here and wait a little while. Yeah, see what see happens. See what happens. And then they share a drink. Yep. Uh, so, McCready gives a little smile there. And yep. then uh, kind the music of wide shot of, the, uh, wide shot of the, the camp. And then just fade, fade to black. Yep. And that is... So we're left with a very ambiguous ending of either one of them is the thing and one of them isn't, which just means they're both going to be the thing. Either they're both human or they're both already the thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you want to uh, ask you, uh, which, what's your theory on uh, who is and who isn't human? So my theory at the end is that McCready is the thing. Yeah. And that Childs, it doesn't matter if he's human or not, because he will be the thing, because they're starting to share the whiskey. Yeah. So I have a very much darker ending to it, where the thing, it hasn't... it's, It's essentially one... And because it's going to hibernate again. Of course. So my we, theory we really is see all of the pieces go that up. Humanity is like there's going to be another episode where humans are going to have to deal with the thing. Yes. Um, um, I, I similar. I, I agree with that. Similarly, um, I don't think either of them are the thing, and that is just the the last shot of paranoia. I think they're both human, okay. but they'll never trust each other. For the rest of their lives, which will be about ten more minutes, <laughs> it'll probably be a few more hours yeah. as the fire dies down. And I just think they'll both—they'll uh, get hold up for warmth. Yeah, um, but I think they'll both just die there. And oh. uh, and I, I think that yes, there uh, there will be of course some piece of the thing that uh, you know froze to death. Probably um, they definitely couldn't burn all to death. of it. Yeah, just froze. Just to, froze to preservation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, you you said uh, particularly like down down ending. This is uh, part of a unofficial trilogy, uh, John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. Oh, is it now? Yeah, uh, it's just something that he said like uh, you know three movies that that had a very nihilistic tone, like most of uh, John yes. Carpenter's movies. Um, it's it's this uh, the the Lovecraft movie, the In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, yep. And uh, Prince of Darkness. Ah, that's his like Apocalypse trilogy where he's mm. just like. Things are bad. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to say it's a kind of a downer ender. What I don't want yes. is there to be, like, an eventual sequel <laughs> that, like, answers this question. Do you do you want to know uh, a fun fact? What? Uh, they actually planned uh, when they made... Because there is a, the Thing video game. Oh, yes. And John Carpenter was slightly involved with that. Um, but he was going to actually have a bigger role. And uh, their original plan was to have Kurt Russell and Keith David return. Oh. Uh, and they were going to uh, say that the ice kind of preserved them, so they looked a little bit younger. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because obviously uh, quite a few years later, and yeah. they like, sound older. Um, 
but they didn't want it to like take too far after that because they're like how would they survive in antarctic for like 20 years yeah, so they're yeah, like we yeah. gotta do it like right after but we still want those characters and they were both going to be human and they were going to like they were going to interact with the rescue team and like one of the guys was gonna get killed and like that was like one of the initial ideas that yeah. both of them were still human and that they were uh, going to help a new group of people survive and fight the thing. See, that doesn't sound fun. I agree. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, because... But that was actually initially uh, an idea that yes. John Carpenter and these uh, these game devs had. Because right, right now, it's official, officially not, like, confirmed yes. uh, either John way. John Carpenter has said that he knows who is human and who isn't, but he will not tell us, um, probably ever. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he doesn't want to talk about movies anymore. He wants to talk about video games. Yeah. Oh, he's living his uh, his best life. Oh yeah, he's away from movies. Now. Exactly. He's still scoring though. Yes. He's no, still... he's working. He's just not doing movies. The uh, the the scores for the new recent uh, David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy. He did those. Yeah, those were great scores. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some. Uh, yeah, I guess fun facts. Fun. I mean, we've sprinkled in some fun facts about the. Got a couple uh, more. Oh, we have more. Um, um, if you've watched the documentary, you'll you'll know this. But there's a scene. Where McCready throws dynamite. He throws it at, uh, which, which thing was that? Uh... The one that ran outside. The Bennings? Yeah. No, it's later yeah. than that. I don't remember. But he throws it while he's outside, and that was actually Kurt Russell throwing dynamite. Real, actual stick of dynamite. And they misjudged, like, the distance he would need to be away from the dynamite, or how, like, how powerful it is. So when you see the dynamite go off, you see Kurt Russell just fly back. Yeah, he just gets slammed into the wall, and it is hilarious to watch. It is, yeah. That's like, oh, Kurt Russell could have died right there. Yeah, that could have been the end. Thank goodness it wasn't of Kurt Russell. And I'm glad they used that shot. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, every time that there's uh, an incident like that where, like, there's too much flame in a shot or... Oh, yeah. Like, they accidentally made the explosion a little bit too big. Like, you gotta use that shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So those are all uh, those are all fun facts. Um, we can talk about the the film's reception. Oh, this is another fun fact. Yes, uh, this movie did not do well. It did when terrible. It was released. Um, so uh, and one of the contributing factors they say yes. was it opened the same weekend as ET. And how are you going to compete with that? So you've got Steven friend- Spielberg friendly alien, friendly childhood coming of age alien story. And no dissing ET. It's a great movie. Oh, it's fun. It's great. But then you also have... The Thing. The Thing. Body horror, paranoia, slow burn of a film. And uh, it just didn't click with audiences or critics at the time. Um, especially, um, uh, it's the 80s. Uh, horror movies were definitely starting to be looked down on by, by critics. Um, well, a little bit more so. Um, this, I think not, the early 80s really was uh, the beginning of the end of the, the slasher boom. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. No, the early 90s was. Well, that's the second one. Because <laughs> you have the revitalization uh, at Nightmare on Elm Street. But there was, oh, yes, I see what you're saying. Yes. There, there was, a, there was a, a lull there where they made a bunch really fast. Because they made, like, because... Uh, it's Halloween. I mean, you have Texas Chainsaw and Halloween. Those were the 70s. Yeah. Black Christmas, 70s. But then you have, like, the Friday the 13th. That was 80, 81. Yes, I and mean... they pumped out sequel after sequel every year. Well, Friday so, the 13th went all the way, like... Till it petered out. Yes, but um, like with Nightmare on Elm Street. But I see what you're saying. Yes, those, there was a second wave in the later '80s. Yes. yes. Um. So, um. I, I remember uh, Siskel and Ebert gave this movie a very bad review. I don't remember uh, verbatim, but I do remember that the uh, the director of the previous uh, the Thing adaptation, 
uh, the thing from another world uh, I believe uh, they were like oh what did you think of the new movie and he's like if you wanted blood why don't you go to the slaughterhouse <laughs> and it's such an old timey way of being just like, an old man not liking that the movie he made is getting remade, remade. even though John Carpenter's the thing is a way more accurate adaptation, adaptation of, of the no- uh, the novella who goes there right I don't it's just very funny it, it, it is very very funny um, um, so that, that was another thing was uh, people were like oh well you're just uh, it's it's kind of like uh, how we look back at uh, you know movies being made now. And we're like, ah, oh, we don't want any more remakes. This was in that like first wave of remakes because you have yes. this, you have the Fly, you have the Blob. Yes, which all of them are on similar levels of like. I highly recommend. Yeah, if you like this uh, version of the thing, you should watch uh, the the '80s Blob and the '80s The Fly. The Fly is uh, also highly regarded, um, but Cronenberg. Uh, Cronenberg. <laughs> But I will say, uh, the Blob from the '80s, very fun. Uh, it's it's not as uh, well loved as uh, the Thing and the Fly, and I think that's uh, that's a shame because it's got a great monster, it's got great effects. Yeah. I mean, I haven't great seen characters. it. It's on my list to watch. I know we've talked about this. And then suddenly I was like, what? Why haven't I seen this movie? Why isn't this talked about more? Because I saw some scenes from it. I was like, this looks great. Oh, it's it's very good. Um, um, genuinely, um, I'll probably I, watch that in a few I, days. I forget who directed it, but I know. Uh, Darabont uh, worked on the uh, script oh, and the, uh, the the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Frank Darabont. Um, for you, those who don't know, uh, ever heard of the Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about the thing. Now we're not talking about Shawshank. I love that movie. It's a good movie. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's one of those things where this this is a cult classic in the truest sense, where you know people saw it at the time, and it's not like today where we have the internet, where if you like a thing, you can also find people who like that thing where a lot of people who saw this movie and may have liked it at the time you know they really couldn't like talk about it or connect with it um, like you can today with the internet so it was really one of those cult classic films where you know underground like people would like talk about oh how great this movie is even though oh my god oh what's that I'm sorry I'm reading my notes oh this is how do I have I have I never read this before what, what you got? Um, I, I, I forgot. So it was competing against E.T. at the box office. Yes. It didn't open the same weekend. I, I knew competing. that. I think it was two weeks after E.T., but E.T. had very long legs. It did office. open the same day as another movie. Probably the other movie. So I say The Thing and this other movie are the two best special effects movies ever made. Like, they're at the peak and this one's not horror. It opened the same day as Blade Runner. Oh. Which, funny enough, that wasn't very well received at release either. Uh, Blade Runner said debuted at number two. Behind DT? That weekend. Um, I mean, and it was also regarded as a critical commercial. Failure. That's what I'm saying, which is... You know, insane. Obviously, uh, E.T. is still very well liked, but uh, what a what a time to be alive! We're just hit after hit. Like, yeah, I just can't imagine out. though. Like the same weekend, you get Blade Runner and The Thing, and nobody appreciated it. Eh, you don't know what you got till it's gone. But yeah, I would say Blade Runner is on the other end of not like horror effects. Oh yeah, special but, effects, I mean, but still, like like the sets and the uh, yes, like the cityscapes. Like, all the other yeah. type of special effects work. I would say those two are, like, in the 80s, that's when you reached your peak with special effects, I feel like. Oh, I, I agree. 
the nineties is when you started getting into the like new early uh, CGI, early CGI, which hasn't you know been perfected in a lot of ways, but has now started to be like really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree with the. I would honestly say CGI has been perfected. It's just you notice it when they don't put the time and effort into oh, it. Oh, I agree. And usually it's just due to budgetary reasons or, or time hey, restrictions. Yeah. We gotta get this out right now. And it's like, well, they haven't finished rendering this. Like, there's CGI in. Like, I watched the behind the scenes for The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And they're just, like, it's just a scene of them sitting on a bench and then they show, they strip back all the CGI. It's like, wait, there's CGI of them just sitting on a bench? It's like, yeah, the entire cityscape in the backgrounds, all that. <laughs> like, the, the entire background of the shot uh... is CGI. But you watch the movie and you don't you don't you think, think they it. just shot in a park. Yeah, because that's yeah. It's like that is that's why CGI is Yeah, like it really is if they wanted to do it seamless, they can. Yeah, that's fair. You just need the time and the money. Exactly. And you, most of the time the studio executive will be like, ah, it's good enough. Yeah, throw it out. No one'll notice the city in the background. Um, um That's crazy. Though. Do you wanna talk a little bit more about the uh the score? Like uh Inio Morricone? Because obviously John Carpenter was going to do the score. Um, he actually did compose a score. I mean, I'll let you run with uh, it because I for it. Uh, which I'm it, not. I'm not that into movie scores. I just know this one is great. It's got a very simple uh, theme. Yes. It's um. It's it's similar to like the tone of a the Jaws or something where it's like those hard hits. Of just yeah. like Dun dun. It's so good. Um, but that's uh, Ennio Morricone. Uh, who you obviously know from uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That's his. Uh, that's his yes. major claim to fame. Um, he's he's done a lot of other uh, a lot of other scores. Uh, a personal favorite of mine is uh, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Uh, some Dario Argento. Um, oh, you and your it's, Italian it's films. It's a really good like jazzy noir score. Yeah, it's super. I love that movie. Um, but. Uh, uh, John Carpenter did uh, he originally uh, was going to do his own and then uh, the studio kind of was like you can't do everything um, because at this point John Carpenter mostly an independent filmmaker this was his this was his big breakout role uh, movie uh, directing yes. like it's um, Hollywood yes so because uh, Halloween was an independent film the film before that was uh, Assault, on Priest, uh, Assault on Precinct 13 uh, very independent before that it was his student film Dark Star mm-hmm. uh, and then uh he went on to make uh, Escape from New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, another very low-budget film, uh, if you look back, it has a, a very grandiose feel to it. Oh, yeah, but they're just wandering around the streets. Well, do you want to know why they, that looks so good? Why? Uh, that town had been hit by a hurricane. Oh. And they just filmed where a hurricane <laughs> had hit a city. And that's why you have all those great shots of, like, long, like, deserted, like, yeah, broken-down city makes sense. streets. And they just, yeah, they just went, they went to where a hurricane hit a city, and they were like, hey, just don't fix it for two weeks, we're going to film here. And that's how that movie looks so good on such a low budget. I thought you were just going to say it's because New York was really a terrible, trashy. grimy place. Yeah, they barely filmed in New York. Oh, that's fun. Because, I mean, it's expensive yeah, yeah. to oh, film yeah, in yeah. New York. I mean, Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, so that's actually how they, they did that um, for Escape from New York. Uh, but mm. this, this was his, uh, the big studio thing, and John Carpenter originally didn't want to direct it. Oh really? Um, yeah, he uh, he loved he loved the original, and uh, Howard Hawks produced that, and he's okay. a big Howard Hawks fan. That, that's that's correction should make from the last podcast. I said Howard Hawks directed it. 
I was wrong. He was uh, he was a producer on that. He was yep, very you were, you were right involved. with that. You were right. You were right. Um, and John Carpenter, massive Howard Hawks fan. That's he said that that's uh, the guy who got him into directing. Um, and he uh, didn't want to make this, but uh, the studio said, "Well, we're going to make it with you or without you involved." And he said, "Well." You know, I probably, you know, I really love this thing, so I want to, like, shepherd it. I want to make sure that it's done faithfully. Yes. And uh, one of his things about that was he's like, well, I don't want to just remake that movie because I think that movie's perfect. Yep. Um, so he's like, well, I can follow the source material a little bit more faithfully, you know, make it different and still pay homage to that uh, that first right. film that I love. And uh, if you watch uh, his, uh, his other film, Halloween... The thing from another world is playing on the television. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know came out in uh, the seventies, so a couple of years before this. So but it shows you that he really, really likes this movie. Yes. Um, um, so he, he was the perfect person to direct this. Oh, I completely agree. Um. So, one thing that gets talked about a lot with this movie yes. are um, the paranoia uh, aspect to it. Um, I think we're so. I think we should talk about really quick. Of course. Um, like, it's always this movie is always connected with height of Cold War. Yes, I mean um, that paranoia. Yes, exactly. So it is very much like that Cold War mentality in a movie that has nothing to do with the Cold War. I mean, and uh, but it is a Cold War movie. That's very true. I mean, people have also uh, put the. Uh, with this and the fly, uh, the fear of uh, the AIDS epidemic. Yes, because um, you know contaminated blood. With the right. thing. Um, um, so I mean, there's so much, I, so many ideas you can put on this film, and it, it it all goes back to that inherent, like emotion of distrust yeah. for the other. It's it's a very the, deep fear. The yes, the fear of the unknown of the other. The this paranoia. So, like, yeah, you can connect it to, like, the Cold War, the AIDS epidemic. There's a ton of different, like, thematic meanings that you can justify from this movie. But I think, ultimately, all of those are just based off of, again, that inherent fear of the other, of the unknown. Of, well, and of the fear of the times. Yeah, fear of the difference. Yes. The... Like and like racism, it all gets wrapped up into that as well. It's, it's, I think at its at its core, it just strikes that very primal fear in humans, and thus can be applied to so many situations. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a, historical and thematic. The pe- people are just afraid of other people when they don't know what they're thinking about. Yes, and. Whether they're human or the thing, they still pose a threat to you. So if they think you're a thing, they might just kill you, um, and they have no real reason to because you might, you know, be human. And just that that fear in the back of your head, if you were in the situation of that guy, just might go crazy because he's scared. Yep. And I might go crazy because I'm scared, and I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm not equipped for this. It's there's a such, it's a, such a good movie. Like um, honestly, we could probably. <laughs> another hour Probably. about like all of the different nuances that you can draw out for these different scenarios do you almost. have uh, any of your uh, favorite like dumb fan theories I have one personally. oh yes um, well I don't know if it's a dumb fan theory I think it might have been 
I can't remember if I got this from the documentary or not, yeah. or if it was like a quote from John Carpenter. I don't know where it came from, but uh, one of my buddies always likes to say that you know someone's the thing when they don't have any light in their eyes. I've, I've heard that also. I, 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 I haven't put much weight into it, but I, I have I heard I think that. that's a quote from John Carpenter, or maybe it was from that documentary, like the behind-the-scenes documentary. Which is like one of the actors saying it or something like that? I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't remember where it came from. But it's a fun thing to watch out for of, like, does it have that little light in their eyes from, like, yeah. that they try to get? It's fun. It's like, do they just, the dead eyes or not? I was yeah. Like, I don't know. Or maybe it was just maybe. Shot, shot the, maybe. Shot the movie, yeah. It's and that's, well... This film's been out for so long that people, uh, much like The Shining, have just like seen all of these tiny little things in the background, and they they, they cling on to certain yes. things and the others. Uh, one of my theories that I personally don't agree with, but I, I love that someone noticed it, was uh, at the very end when uh, McCready hands child a drink. Uh, someone said that he'd switched that out when they'd made the Molotovs. And that, uh, was, a, that was a Molotov filled yeah. with gasoline. And when Childs drank it... Uh, McCready smiles and some people have taken that as he's uh, McCready is infecting Childs uh, but possible other, but other people have taken it as that thing just drank gasoline and pretended like it was okay <laughs> and it could and, be and that smile is uh, McCready knowing like he's the thing I'll burn him in but a second but who like, says there was gasoline it, I don't think that at all because McCready was also about to take a sip yeah. when Childs <laughs> exactly and I was just like it's a fun idea yeah, and like, the, like just the inner workings of it. I just, I just yeah. love that. Uh, you you can watch this movie and have a million different. Oh, there's there's so much weight put on Childs drinking that because as soon as he does take a swig, that's when the music starts the music playing kicks again. In, McCready smiles and then end of movie. And so, so it's, it's like, like that's got to be important, right? It, it, it feels it feels like the most important pivotal moment in the entire thing. Even though it's probably just. Probably just how they wanted to end the movie. Yeah, we oh, we gotta have an ambiguous ending, so let's just make this look important. I don't know. Yeah, it could just be irrelevant. It, it probably is. It's probably <laughs> it's just, it just could be two dying men sharing a drink. Yes, but oh, it's such a such a good movie. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I <laughs> I really like this movie. This is, a, this is a ten out of ten. This is a masterpiece. This is a masterpiece of cinema of special effects. Who, what was it, uh, Botin? Uh, Rob Botin, yes, we haven't even mentioned his name yet. No. Yeah, Rob Botin, uh, he was like 22 or something when this movie came out. Yes, I remember, they, well, they tried to get um, someone else. Was it Rick Baker? I mean, it might have been Rick Baker. They, they tried to get someone else, but he was working on a different movie at the time. And so, they were just like, Botin! this kid, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, all that's explained in that documentary. But you just watch the behind-the-scenes documentary. It's really good if you haven't seen it. Go yeah. find it. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we obviously highly recommend this movie. You've all seen it. Uh, if you've gotten two hours... What is it? Two hours into this podcast? You know, I really hope <laughs> that this was uh, how you fun for you to listen to it. And it wasn't just two guys just Gushing unintelligibly... About yeah, just talking about a movie that they clearly love. Yeah. Um, so go rewatch The Thing. Yeah, if you haven't seen it in a while, go rewatch it. Go try to watch it with someone who hasn't seen it before, because that's also a fun time. I completely agree. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, next time, uh, 
as we said last week, we're going to talk about Cold Skin. Yes, uh, a lesser-known uh, Antarctic movie. Um, I know this was the, the main event. Think of that as the fun after-party. Yes. We're going we're gonna to hang out. We're going to talk about some fish people. And it's going to be a, it's, it's a slocky, a little bit, a little slocky, a little bit of sentimental. Well, I was going to say, you, you said it was a little smarter than you thought it was going to be. It, yes. I thought it was going to be a little bit more dumb. But it's it's got some heart to it that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I think it's that perfect level of uh, you know. So you, you get what you ask for. Yep. You, you want to see some fish fighting, but you also want to think a little bit. So go out, watch that movie before we talk about it. Yeah. Um, twenty seventeen. I, I was a little confused on the year when we talked in the last episode. Twenty seventeen. Cold skin. Yep. Uh, French Spanish production that is is in English. Yes. So uh, yep. If you're afraid of subtitles, which you shouldn't be. You're safe for now. Yep. So, uh, I can't wait to talk about that next time. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah. Thanks again for listening. Uh, yeah. I've been Max Hannum. <laughs> I have been Corey Stewart. Again, we should mention... We are not your regular well, hosts, yep. but you know this. This is a Patreon exclusive. Uh, keep donating to the this Patreon. The... This very much helps them. Yep. This is all a plug that will probably be cut out um, by the t-shirts. Uh, go buy the t-shirts Bandit's Emporium it's fun support I Camp like Kaiju shirts. however you can whether that's continuing to donate to the Patreon uh, buying the shirts or just being uh, liking their stuff sharing their stuff on social media being engaging um, if you got some stuff you want to talk about with the thing feel free to comment and yeah. uh, we can you know start a dialogue because I think that's the most fun part about this movie is just talking about this movie with other people yeah because there's yeah. so many different theories so many different ideas of what's going on yeah it's a good movie. Good, good movie. All right. Go out, watch this movie. Yep. All right, so uh, see you guys next time. See you next time. We're talking about cold skin. Cold skin. Share my warning with the world. Share this podcast with a friend. Visit Patreon. CampKaijuMovieReviews.com and Instagram for more monster movies. Please do it now before you too are frozen with fear. this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. The storm's been hitting us hard now for 48 hours. We still have nothing to go on. One other thing. I think it rips through your clothes when it takes you over. Windows found some shredded long johns, but the name tag was missing. They could be anybody's. Nobody... Nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired. trust anybody now. There's nothing else I can do. 
Just wait. RJ McCready, helicopter pilot, U.S. Outpost number 31. Thank you.